0: Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence! From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Q, the Q, the Q, the Q, the Q. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I am Brendan. Brendan, what wonderful thingy are we going to discuss
1: today? A singular topic today, the new Knights of Slanesh battle Battletome, so... This is the book that came out at the same time as Daughters. And this one we chose to do second because there was a sizable number of new War Scrolls that were released alongside of it. And Mm. we wanted to take our time to go through and make sure we understood everything that was in
0: there okay and it is physically I think it's bigger than the last one too it has to be yeah there's just so much more in there yeah so there's going to be more to talk about a couple of other things then listeners in the show Uh, first of all we are going to go back we're going to do new releases in scriptorium so if you were into the scriptorium section there's quite a bit of new stuff that has been released and is on the street so we want to go through all those things with you and then we're going to we actually have a couple of games played we have some exciting news about an event and some other things in whispers that we'll talk about as well yep so please be sure to join us for that anything else going on brandon i think we're no i mean that's going to be
1: the episode so for those of us who joined us in episode 68 for daughters it's going to be another marathon one i'm sure there's a lot of war scrolls to go through here as is tradition with any chaos book you have
0: timestamps timestamps yeah
1: timestamps timestamps instead of mentioning at the end
0: uh, we're going to mention it on the front (laughs) jump to what you want so we will dive right in, everybody, to Whispers from the Warp. Hello.
2: My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father.
0: Prepare to die. Brendan Mann? Yes? It's hobby time for you. Woo! I saw your vanguard. Nice. We're getting there. Oh man, that looked really good. Oh man, six of those on the table. Two down, four to go. Oof, that's going to be good looking, man. Yeah.
1: I have been painting my Slaves to Darkness. So since our last episode, I painted the Kagura's Reavers, which Mm -hmm. is Mm Warband, because I wanted the Sorcerer, Sorceress from there. And I effectively have another one that I can make a unit champion, because I've got to five in the list that I stole uh, from Dave Kerr. Sure. I figure rather than buy some stock standard cast Sorcerer Lord models, well, they give us ones on the right size bases in the in the yeah. two warbands. So, did that, painted two Varengard. I'm most of my way through a third one. I'll probably have that finished up, you know, this evening. <laughs> Oof.
0: <laughs> a lot you, of you've been busy. You have got your KOs done, and I think we mentioned those look great. And that was a lot of work. I mean, there's there there's a fair amount of time. things in there. Yeah, so, a lot of detail
1: stuff right now. You're that's, just that's certainly been the case.
0: Steady, you're like a factory man. You just keep going. <laughs> man, it's I got great. nothing
1: better to do. It's great. Go to work, come home, you know, make dinner, work out, paint, yeah. and just. Yeah, and that's
0: living the good life, man. That's it. And you
1: you do the same thing, and then you wake up, and it's Saturday morning, and then you just wake up and paint all day. <laughs> all <laughs> and every and you know every other Sunday we come over and do podcasts. Okay, so well, there's that. Yeah. yeah, but it's just that you know okay. waiting for the rest of the models to come in for it. I've had some shipping delays here in the United States. So, oh, yeah. you know, I'm trying to get as many of the Varenguard done now because those are the mm. things that's going to take me the longest.
0: Now, did you order your Untamed Beasts because you were proxying those when we played? I did, yes. Okay.
1: And there was a box of them in store. So I bought a, oh, a tenner of them. Now, of course, I ordered a 20, so I'll have 30 when I'm all said and done. But oh, well,
0: you never know. Yeah, they're, that's true.
1: They're cheap. <laughs> they are inexpensive points wise. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Maybe that'll work out for you. Good.
0: But yeah, it's a lot of slaves of darkness, but sure. What about you, Dan? I was it was it gonna be like a one off hobby project was I did buy a shard speaker, mm-hmm. a Slunesh Heed shard speaker. And I got her built in primed and I had all my paints out, my you know, palette was all set and everything else. And then we played our game, we're gonna talk about daughters versus Nighthawk by yeah. And I don't know why, but Something just kind of snapped afterwards. It was like, I'm gonna change this list like drastically. I'm gonna make a big change to this list. Yeah, you texted me just out of the blue <laughs> saying change is incoming. And you were just and, interesting. And, and, was, and there was no there was no, no feedback and, on <laughs> what you were doing. It was just And the reason is is that I saw something online and these There's three black coaches. No, no. But they had these models of these they were kind of mourn gold type of look, big giant hands and all this stuff, but they were part of something. And I thought those would be so cool to do a conversion somewhere or something else. And I'm waiting to get kind of some feedback from, I don't want to tell you because I want to surprise you or I, I would have asked you right away, but a couple of TOs that I know to see if this would be acceptable because it's not GW. Sure. So I want to make sure that it is before I go and do the project. Whatever it is, we'll find out next episode. Uh, You'll find out very soon, as soon as I get the feedback. Okay. But what that is, pretty significant in terms of um, model building and painting and stuff. So that's really, I started working on that. I got the parts and pieces all, uh, you know, the different models built and primed and stuff and kind of got them organized and primed and everything. And now it's just a matter of waiting one way or the other. And if I don't get the permission, if it's like, no, that really wouldn't work out, then I have a couple of other conversion things for these models that I'm going to work on. So, Okay. Yeah. So I know it's kind of a mystery, but it's okay. It's more fun that way. Yeah, we'll we'll see what this is. <laughs> that's really what I've been working on hobby-wise. Yeah, that's it for me. Just that kind of stuff. Simple. Yeah, not too much. Once I get digging into it, it'll be be quite a bit of work. Next thing on the list, we have the Space Marine Necron stuffs that are on the street. Lots of stuff that people are interested in, like Heavy Intercessors. There's a lot of Necron stuff. There's Flayed Ones. There's all kinds of things out there. There's a bunch of Kill Team stuff on the street, which is Necrons and Space Marines. Big surprise. (laughs) So all that stuff has finally hit the streets because of the delays and all the things you had talked about. We are finally getting stuff in the stores, which is good that it's coming out. And if you're into Kill Team you're in a pretty good place. You got a whole new box thing. You got a new book. There's three or four terrain kits you can get. I've heard very mixed reviews of those in terms of price point and other things, but yeah, that stuff's all out there. I saw that there's a Blood Bowl book death zone, it looks like. What can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, so if I remember correctly, this is the rules for seven-on-seven Blood Bowl, a small model count game made ever more smaller. There's a version of this that you can that's been on Blood Bowl 2, the online version for a while. And I want to say that like it's extra punchy, killy stuff. I can't okay. remember off the top of my head. Okay. But but I do believe that this is 7 on 7 rules.
0: Okay, perfect. So new thing for Blood Bowl, we have more kind of backup troops in Necromunda that have come out because you can get your main gangs you know whatever they are but then there's mercenaries you can get and now we have something called the water guild of course water i would assume is pretty important in the underhive and these people think so, yeah. kind of control water they control the flow of it and distribution of it and all those kind of things so yeah and the mo- the one model is very cool it looks kind of like a giant robot with a 200 gallon tank on the on his back you know water tank on his back <laughs> and the other two guys are okay looking so if you're into necromunda there's that to look at and then brendan another vampire lord yeah we do <laughs> and this is Ratman. his name is like <laughs> kilkits or something like that i can't remember but his backstory is that he was basically saved by rats so he has a cloak that's just made of rat skins and He's got tails. I thought the tail thing coming out the back was kind of creepy. At first, I thought it was tentacles. And I was like, oh, no, those are rat tails. Yeah. He sounds really fun. And then we had just talked before the show a little bit. It's kind of interesting. One of the things they dropped is that he is of a specific dynasty. And they used that word. And we were discussing what that might mean in terms of how the book's organized. One thing we had talked about was maybe those are going to be the sub-factions. Yeah. And you mentioned a couple of other things that might be.
1: It could be the specific bloodline. For those of you who didn't know Vampire Counts in 8th edition, the easiest way I can explain this to you is it would be most similar to Slaves of Darkness taking marks. So when you take a vampire, you would be able to say that they are from this specific bloodline and it would be, you know, in the allegiance ability section, vampires of bloodline X can do Y and, you know, those of bloodline 1 can do 2. That's an option that's probably on the table, and because this guy is named, it yes. makes sense that he is slotted into a specific
0: dynasty. So I, w- I was just gonna mention that if you've got named characters, they most likely will be given a keyword, just like correct. Th- I mean that happens all the time. Yeah. Okay. And and the reason here that would make sense
1: versus, you know, some of the and why I think it would be bloodlines then versus some of the other you know sub factions where you know they can fit into whatever is you want this person to have a very specific set of rules, but that things being of a specific dynasty doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense as the sub faction mm. to me because you would have skeletons and ghouls, not like ghouls like flesh eater courts, but we know that the white king is in soul blight grave lords. Yes, how would he be of a specific bloodline? Mm-hmm. Right. So you might do it where. They're in the dynasty, and then bloodlines are their own separate thing, or or the dynasties have separate vampire rules. There's some interesting things that are going to be on the table. It's kind of cool to see it headed back towards some of the old vampire counts, Warhammer mm-hmm. fantasy stuff. Yes. You know, not that I didn't, you know, love the Legions in a Gash book, but we have seen a more mature game in this play state, and them choosing to pursue more complicated or unique options in a given book, I think are welcome Okay, changes.
0: Great. Yeah. And all that discussion from one model. So, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, some more stuff to look forward to sometime, hopefully this year. And this is kind of weird. We've got the Drukhari, the Dark Eldar, mm-hmm. for those OG folks out there, is pre-ordered on the 20th. It's a three-week cycle. And we've been on a two-week cycle since they made their big announcement a couple months ago, which is just a little bit confusing until you think about the fact that all the stuff has gone on. I mean, it's been very problematic the last couple, few weeks, getting stuff in on time, getting your orders in on time, those kind of things. And as you mentioned before the show again, you know, we had this huge giant Winter event in the country that shut down all kinds of distribution. Every just in America, it just all of the shipping hubs were shut down yeah. for for over a week. You know, to varying degrees. What does this mean? What does the pre-order of the twentieth means? It may mean a couple things. It may mean we still have our two weeks. This is just something that's and this is the exception to the rule because of an exceptional event. Right. Uh, it could be that we're changing, and they're going to come out with. A notice kind of like they did before and an explanation of maybe we're going to go to three-week pre-orders. I doubt that knowing GW because of the volume that they want to get out the door. Mm -hmm. That would be kind of problematic for them, I think. But it might be a prelude to, okay, now we're going to reset. We're going to update our last update, (laughs) which is whatever it is. It could mean a, a few things. It could mean nothing either. There's that third option. True. Like you said, it could just be a one off, uh, but we will wait and see. Hopefully, it's not. Hopefully, we'll still have some pre orders next weekend, and we'll find that out hopefully by the end of the show. And we'll announce it at close show, show close, so we can talk about that a little bit. What and we I might think be we're doing. all rooting for Curse City. Yes, I think is the. <laughs> I've heard the word imminent a lot. Well, that may very well be wishful thinking, but it's okay to me if that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, Cursed City or Broken Realms Techless is hope yep. what
1: I is what I hope we walk away with Which uh, in show clothes. Amazing.
0: So I think that's it for stuffs. How about games played? You and I played another game. You can call it that. You could call it that. We yeah. put models on the table and we moved them for the equivalent of a turn. One whole battle round. Yes, one whole battle round. Daughters just crushed it. Um, you brought... Marathi, you brought 20 shooty snakes. Uh, It wasn't 20 shooty snakes. Hold on. Was it 10? It was only 10. Oh, okay. Well, they were sucky. They
1: were very sucky. Let's not accuse me of some real nonsense here. Yeah, so my list was was Keltnar, Big Marathi, Little Marathi, Medusa, Hag Queen, 10 of the ranged harpies, 10 of the ranged snakes, 10 of the combat snakes, 2 units of 10 witch elves, the Viperic Guard Battalion, the snake... Endless spell. And the Medusa was the general making the snakes battle line because Marathi also gets to be the general too, which is fun. So that's what I played.
0: And Dan, of course, being an experienced player now, set up his models in a perfect position for Brendan to basically... Just objectively too close. Shoot them off the board. If for some reason that had not been successful, which it was, he was too close and Marathi charged in and then... Okay, whatever. Game over pretty much. Yes. <laughs> we played out the whole turn.
1: Well, your great failure in that game was deploying too too close. Too close. Yeah. Or one of your first deployments was the Guardian of Souls, and I saw where that was on the line. So I had to go to my battle tome to check the range on my snakes and went, "Oh, 24." And I just measured that real quick and and if you hadn't given me a hero that close, I would have played the game totally differently, mm. but because you put it that close and then Lady O wasn't much further behind that Guardian of Souls, No, I used the Viperic Guard Battalion rule to have to use Marathi's command ability for free at the top of one. I put a bunch of wounds into the Guardian of Souls. I move up. I split fire onto the Guardian of Souls with like two of the snakes and the other eight, you know, went into Lady O who had taken four mortal wounds mm-hmm. from little Marathi's spell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that took out all of your hero bubble support on your left flank and the center of your line. And then sending Marathi into the right side to take on your 15 Blade Geist Oosh. and the rest of your heroes. I mean, that was it. Yeah, That that sure. was the game.
0: Yeah, And her spell has a, what, 30-inch 30 range?
1: 36.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I really... It would be difficult for me to even try to deploy outside of that, honestly. Well, deploy outside of it and... You know, I can different. cast it outside of unbind range. Right. That was problematic. But yeah, that was the game. <laughs> yeah. We just talked for a while about other things things other than Sigmar. Yeah, we played the
1: bottom of one just to kind of see, you know, what that looked like. And give Dan a chance
0: to roll some dice and move his models a little Well, bit. and Dan, tell the listeners how <laughs> oh, how your turn went. That's insane. I rolled... Probably better than I will ever roll for, I don't know how long. I rolled four or five charges, 10 plus charges. The wave of terror. Wave of terror rule. Four or five of those.
1: So after you roll a charge of a 10 or more, you get to fight Mm -hmm. immediately after
0: you complete that charge roll. Yes. And you made a lot. Four or five of them. And I charged everything because essentially the game was over. So I charged everything, which is... Normally, that would be crushing for my opponent, whoever it is. That would be terrible. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, everything meaningful was dead. Yeah, pretty much. That was insane, which was cool. I mean, it was great. I can talk about it. And I have a nice memory sure. of all those <laughs> wave of terror attacks. But eh, move on. That's all I ever do. And yeah, still play and, my night hunt. And Dan left and apparently just toiled over a new list that I'm going to see. And we talked about that a Hobby that I'm going to redo a couple of things so it wasn't that hard i thought it'd be more difficult but i just made some small adjustments based on my experience in my last few games as to what units might be more useful or less useful and mm-hmm. yeah so we'll see
1: seeing daughters up close and personal following a book review
0: ugly 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 now you would talked about people who are taking like two units of 20 shooty snakes and stuff hack one unit of 20 is well six. but let's say two that would just be so devastating if you use that, if you took the right battalion, the vampiric guard, you could have 120 shots, literally, because one unit could shoot twice, yep. the other could shoot once yep. to a piece. That means you would be dealing out, on average, mathematically, 20 mortals from that shooting alone. That's just from, that's just mortals. That doesn't include any other damage. That's frightening, Brendan. I think running 40 is kind of a tall order,
1: but 20 is. Would still be quite good. <laughs> it, it pulls off significant pieces. It does yeah. damage to units that are meaningful. Anything. I mean. And they're not terrible in combat. No. They're not the combat sisters, but when you have Marathi nearby. They can hold their own, yeah. Know, but, spots, and then, but,
0: uh, and you show up, and then you'll just shoot them. The shooty snakes were just scary, and and I only had ten of them. Yeah, yeah. And Marathi was scary too. She's no different than she was before. The oh one my thing, goodness! The one thing that's so interesting about her, though, is that both models are on the board, which is so different than I was able to play because I love that because you can use her magic side which you did to devastating effects against lady O. you took off more than half her wounds with that model and then you tore the heck out of my one flank with with a model that never could have happened before correct because you'd never have both on the board right a change a real sea change in terms of how you play that army really a big deal and having two shots instead of one for the snakes shooty snakes wow good stuff man good for daughters yeah
1: i think that book is wide open
0: Yep, it really is. There's so much you can do with it. And you brought a nice mixed list, too, which I thought was cool. A lot of different things to look at and and have to deal with. And you played a game with Mr. Dave. I did.
1: I wanted to try out the revised version of the Knights of the Empty Throne list, replacing the Flamers with Bellacor and the Burning Sigil. Yes. And he came over and played just a ton of Blight Kings you no,
0: know, oh, of course. How many did he bring? Forty or fifty? No,
1: no, no. It was uh it was only thirty. Oh two tens and only two. Only thirty, okay. Yeah. <laughs> only. I grossly mismanaged my arcs and bubbles mm. and things like that. However, I managed to pull the game out because those Varenguard are brutal. The other thing that was really important was having Belkor on the field. The reason for that being was when I played you the last time, Dan, the only real unit that could take any of the buffs was the Varengard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, the Marauders can take them, but they don't take them as well as...
0: Varengard did.
1: Belacord takes them pretty good as well. You know, he can't get the plus one save because he's undivided and, you know, he ignores modifiers up or down on his save. Right. He's ethereal kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can give him the reroll saves... Sorry, the reroll hits and wounds is you know from the spell. Oh right, from the sorcerer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. You know, just all things considered, now, right well, out the gate. Who did
0: you use? Who did you choose to use your Bellacor power on? I put it on one of the ten mans of Blight King. Okay, that makes sense. Basically, yeah. that is that every time you try to use them for a turn, one one of their turns, they have to roll that's a until dice. my next hero phase. Mm-hmm. So
1: right. it's potentially, it's potentially two. Right. Okay. If I do it in the bottom of his turn, mm-hmm. he does the bottom of the round, and he doubles me, it's still not my
0: next hero phase. Okay, so, they so would... you'll get two turns of that, mm-hmm. two of his turns. But basically, you have to roll a dice when you want to do pretty much anything Yeah, from that unit, move, charge, yeah, run. Yeah, every time you want to cast, move, charge, or attack,
1: you have to roll a dice. And it has to be on a five up. Correct.
0: And if you don't get a five up, you don't and do it. You don't get to do the thing. Which I was thinking about using that like on your Varenguard. If you had if I was playing Bellicor against you, mm-hmm. that would just be brutal. Yeah. That that would be debilitating because if you don't make that move roll, your turn's over with them. If they're not positioned already, you know, mm-hmm. if they're not forward enough, that's a whole turn that they're just stuck there. And because Bellicor
1: is a two-caster mm-hmm. and he's got some high mobility. I slingshot him forward with the teleport spell. <laughs> he drops the Doomfire sigil down, which I count the number of models that die within 12 inches of it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the turn, you know, you roll those number of dice, and for every three up, a Slaves to Darkness unit, you know, gets plus one attack if they're wholly within 18 inches of the icon when, you know, you make that roll. So you just right in the middle, you know. Mm-hmm. Wholly within 18 inches of the middle of the board is a huge area.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So basically, all game, Bellacor, the Marauders, and the Varengard had plus one attack.
0: Oh, man,
1: that's brutal. And Uh. Dave realized this as we were playing. He was playing Nurgle. I get all the Nurgle wheel benefits, too, on all my keyword Nurgle stuff.
0: Oh, right, because you do play them as Nurgle, yeah?
1: Yes. Oh, that's
0: hilarious.
1: So it it neutered quite a bit of his
0: uh, advantages. Yeah,
1: because uh. I got the same advantages, wow. and in many cases, it was just leveling up my ability to do what I your wanted whole army to do. is keyworded Nurgle, except for Bellicore and the Untamed Beast. Yes, yeah, that's it.
0: That's really something. <laughs> that is funny.
1: It was a good game. It was compelling. I have a lot of work to do still in terms of playing the list totally right. Okay, I'll say that having not gotten all of the things off in the right way in the right time and sure. still being able to stay in and take it all the way through four battle rounds. Cause that's when I had created enough of a differential scoring wise that as long as I held one objective in battle round five, I was going to win. And my whole like right corner was untouched and there was no real way to get there okay. at that point. So it was a good game, but I have a lot of work to do in terms right. of getting that list to work in the way that I believe it's supposed to.
0: Okay, good, great stuff. But yeah, six Vanguard man. Whew. The way you have it pumped up is amazing. Well, it's just amazing. I'm simply borrowing an idea from someone no? who came up with it first, but you got to use it on the table. That's the right. difference.
1: Yeah, so that's it. That's the games. Okay. A couple
0: of games of Warhammer. It's nice to talk about. Yeah, that's great. So we won't talk about other things we've been playing because we had those two things to talk about. Which yeah, is fun. actual Warhammer. It's what you guys want to hear about. Yes! The whole point
1: of the episode.
0: So we also, and most people are aware, that Nashcon is a go, Brendan. And it's sold out. Oh man, you texted Sorry, me earlier in the week, the night that you found out. I was going to wait until morning. I didn't wait till morning. And from what you're telling me, I just made it under the wire. But I yeah. made it. Yes. And there's 45. 45 spaces. Yep. So that's where it's sold out right now.
1: If you want to get on the wait list, you got to contact David Griffin on mm-hmm. Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, he's at Nash of Sigmar. There's the potentiality of more spaces opening up. But that's something that no one's going to know until we get closer to the event. as like with a lot of halls. You assign just a a certain amount of space to just everybody based on what you're expecting. Some places, you know, some parts of the room don't sell enough. And then you give that space to the events that have oversold
0: effectively. Sure. And that is the first, I don't know, I think we could consider it a major event. That's the first major event we've heard of that's going forward this year so far. Yes. Yeah, that's, you know. And it's in late August, third week in August. But still wonderful news. It's so nice to see that tiny little light come on. Really nice. For those of you that don't know, Nashcon is in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm.
1: It is a 2,000-point Age of Sigmar tournament with a special format that folks who go, including myself, really treasure. It's a two-list format where you bring two lists to the event. They have to be of the same army allegiance, effectively. As long as they are under that umbrella, they can be as similar or different to each other as much as you like. It can be as small as changing an artifact or a spell or rewriting your whole list to play in a specific mission or handle a specific kind of matchup. Mm -hmm. And then they do secondaries very differently. They have a set of schemes. They have a whole deck you pull between five and seven, depending (laughs) on how they're feeling that year. And they're... Some of them are really hard to get. Some of them are easy to get, but you just pick from the hand that you're dealt at the start of the event, and and that can determine a lot. So, great. If you're interested, hit up David, get on that wait list. I don't know how long it is right now, but you can't go if you don't ask at this point. So, very, very
0: exciting stuff. I think that's it for Whispers, then, Brendan. Yep. And we are, listeners, going to jump in to Hedonites of Slanesh. I mean, what are
2: we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're,
0: we're a time bomb. We're back, and we're going to start, as we usually do, with allegiance abilities here in this book. Mm-hmm. And we have the hosts, which we're going to talk about after we talk about allegiance abilities. You've got three. You've got invaders, pretenders, and godseekers. And you... You can choose one of these hosts and take the advantage of what they offer. You don't have to, but you can. It makes no sense not to. Absolutely.
1: Uh, unless you are going to play Seleski host, but there, there is no reason to not give your army some host of Slaanesh keyword. Yep.
0: The, it, there is literally no benefit to doing it any other way. And then the next one, which is Locus of Diversion. Locus has changed significantly. Big change. Yep.
1: Big, big change. The way it works now is at the end of the charge phase, each friendly Hedonite demon hero within one inch of an enemy unit can create a locus of diversion. If they do so pick one enemy unit that is within one inch of that hero and roll a dice adding one. If the hero is a greater demon on a four up or a three up for, you know, your greater demons that unit cannot make a pile move before it attacks in the following combat phase. You cannot pick the same unit as the target for this ability more than once in the same phase whether the role is successful or not. Mm -hmm. So this is a big change. It used to be where you had to fight at the end of the combat phase. This is you can't pile in. So it's better against bigger units. It's less good against individual heroes because you have to be within an inch of it to trigger. It's slightly more reliable in that it used to be five ups for little heroes and three ups for big heroes. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's okay. It's, it's situational. It's niche. If you can get it to trigger and, you know, you pin units on the end and things like that, this is something that would definitely come in handy. One of the things in the theme that, at least on my side as we talk about it, this is an army book that requires a lot of finesse, very diligent movements, very creative means of approaching your opponent's battle line if you intend to play warhammer just kind of straight up where you know you're looking to hit their unit with your unit and you're looking to break aside and then you know kind of crunch them or a straight up fight you are going to lose every single game mm-hmm. with with this book this book does not play in the traditional way that you're used to playing some other stuff okay and this is kind of your first entry into what allows you to do
0: that okay so that's a locus mm-hmm Next then. one is Euphoric Killers, which has not really changed. Uh, it's if the modified hit roll for an attack me with a melee weapon by a Hedonite model. Which and that's
1: is, the change. Yes. The Hedonite keyword
0: is the So we've changed. now added the mortals, right? They, we've added It's everybody, pretty well, much.
1: It's everybody in the book. What it was right. before... This is the important changes that we want to cover with new books. Yes. Is it used to be slanesh units. So your Slaves to Darkness and your Beasts of Chaos marked slanesh could do this before. Okay. Now you cannot. Now it must come out of this book with the Hedonite keyword. The only exception
0: being Archeon, who has the Hedonite keyword. Okay. It's basically exploding sixes on a hit. That's it.
2: With melee um, weapons. Yes. With melee
0: weapons, yes. Yeah. It'd be nice if it was shooting. Oh, <laughs> that boy. would be scary with these guys. If the attacking models unit has 20 or more models, it explodes into three hits instead of two.
1: Yeah, that's pretty limited. The yeah. number of units that you can take up to and above a, a 20 model cap is extremely limited. Yep. That's your demonets and your Bliss Barb archers, and then there's then the next ones are caps at twenty, so if you lose a single model then, then nope. you you lose this. Oh, you're
0: only exploding on. You're yeah. only exploding to two. And just like the
1: daughter's book, there's no horde bonuses to running right. big units. So one of those things that we're probably going to see change in AOS 3.0. Whenever that comes around, we'll see what that ends up meaning. This ability has kind of a limited usage on the on the higher end sure. of the scale. That makes sense.
0: And now we have depravity points, Feast of Depravities. This is another major change.
1: Yes. Major. This is significant. I'm not going to talk ad nauseum on how depravity used to work. No. But for your focus now is you can summon Slaanesh demon units to the battlefield if you collect enough depravity points. Mm Mm-hmm. At the end of the battle shock phase, which is a big change, you receive one depravity point for each unit on the battlefield that had a wound or mortal wound that was not negated, allocated to it that turn, or has fewer models than it had at the start of the turn. What that means is, in order to gain depravity points, one it occurs at the end of the battle shock phase. In order to collect them, the unit being affected must still be alive in some way, shape, or form.
0: And it could be your units or theirs. Correct, your one.
1: units or theirs doesn't have to be heroes anymore you have to have done a wound that wasn't negated Mm -hmm. or killed a model and Mm -hmm. the unit is still there so now that we know how we collect them how do we use them okay if you have any depravity points at the end of your movement phase you can summon one unit big change from the list below to the battlefield and add it to your army each unit you summon costs a number of depravity points as shown on the list you can only summon a unit if you have enough you must summon them wholly within 12 inches of a friendly slanesh hero and more than nine from any enemy units.
0: Now, Brendan, these points do carry over, though. Yes, they Korn. do. Yeah, okay. so Corn, at this point, we should <laughs> almost stop bringing
1: it up, right? Because Corn is the exception. <laughs> yes. Everybody else does it the same way, yes. where you lose what you spend, you keep the rest. Yeah. For those that remember the other slanesh book, They range from six points all the way up to 30, which was... I think Keeper of Secrets was 30, yeah. Yeah, so now a Keeper of Secrets is 12, as is 30 Demonettes. Mm -hmm. 10 Demonettes is six points.
0: Yeah, So you can get five Seekers... For six points, you can get a chariot for seven. I mean, there's get three fiends for eight. There's some nice things on this chart, though, that you can get for a relatively small amount of points. Yes, that that is correct. Your stuff is real squishy. You're going to earn a lot of depravity points for just being slanesh. What you have to be careful of, though, is killing or being killed. Because if a unit dies, you that doesn't count at all. Yeah. You have to make it last. You have to make them suffer in order to benefit. Correct. <laughs> Basically. Yes. One
1: of the big changes here, right, is that, you know, collecting at the, at the end of the Battleshock phase means mm. that you're, unless your opponent is particularly stupid and <laughs> they go first and somehow generate 12 depravity points for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, good for you. Congratulations. Like, you are going to win that game mm-hmm. so amazingly well. It's going to be great. And you can summon, you know, demonettes or a keeper early. Now, you're going to be able to, points-wise, be able to bring in, you know, a whole half of a second army over the course of, of a game, you know, if done correctly. But, like you said, Dan... There's a fine line that you're going to have to
0: balance. You can build lists that, you know... Farm depravity. That get you a lot of depravity. But, and there's the thing but that what's was, the cost? But, right, exactly. It's that economic value in terms of the currency in the game. And points are the base currency. We have other things depending on your army. You know, is it worth... This army is very points heavy. I mean, what is the Weirdly. one that people have been talking about is that ogroid guy that... You know, if something's close to a piece of terrain, you can get, you know, that's one of the things. But between that and another army, you're talking a couple hundred points or another unit, a cheap unit. Mm. That's 200 points to get one depravity every turn. That's Is that really worth 200 points when you think about other things you could bring? Because you you want your army still doing
1: stuff, right? Because if you spend the 100 points on the ogroid and you're spending 300 points on chaos spawn you've spent 400 points <laughs> for sure to get you you know something that's 300 points you know that's yeah. good and then in the next turn hopefully you don't kill all your chaos spawn you know <laughs> doing doing this explosion to get another 300 points out on the board right which you know now you've net 200 points in the exchange but what has it cost you on the battlefield Essentially. Sure.
0: You know, one of the ways I wanted to think about it was this isn't a Euro game where you're building an economy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, a Euro board game, because that's what you do. You start building your economy first. That's not the point of this game. (laughs) The point is to get objective points and win that way. Correct. You don't win the game by getting more. More models. Or anything else than anybody else. So you just have to balance, like you said, and think about how you're going to do it. And there are plenty of ways when we talk about some of the units in here to get those points and not not do too much and do and bring things you would have brought anyway right so to your point you're still doing stuff but in the process of doing stuff you're getting this bonus
1: yes the, exactly the way you want to look at this is how do you achieve this while also fixing and maintaining your other goal if you want to spend a couple of points to make sure that you get over that hill to where you need to go mm-hmm. great I really like this change if not strictly for it is an easier bookkeeping situation. Mm two or three games I played of Slanesh versus Slanesh in the in the old book <laughs> my opponent and I had notebooks with us and oh, we were keeping God. track of each other's points yeah. and at the end of every turn we would audit kind of where oh, where yeah. we were both it wasn't anything malicious but it was just alright I have you at 47 like well I have 46 like okay well what what point was I missing and we would make sure that at oh. the end of every but Dan <laughs> it was, we introduced a whole new phase like I joke <laughs> about the paperwork phase <laughs> We had to yeah. audit each other's allegiance abilities. Yeah. It's there are All these weird specific instances and things like that. This is so much better. This is so much easier.
0: No, one of the things too, one of the effects, I, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but really you were motivated to bring heroes because of the way depravity worked. Correct. It, it forced your build in a way. It certainly incentivized from it, it yeah. yes. Okay. So without that, and the way this is, kind of like we talked about Daughters, the way the book has been built now, you have a lot of options and you don't have to take any particular build now. Mm-hmm. You can build a lot of different ways. I like this because I think it offers Slaanesh players some options. Sure. And they it's hopefully we're going to see different types of Slaanesh lists on the table. Which I would like to see that.
1: I think there's some specific difficulties in translating the two books, you mm-hmm. know, from right. da- Daughters and, and right. Slnesh to each other, where you know Daughters I think opened everything up and everything became totally viable. Sure. I think that there are <laughs> restrictions in the Slnesh, and there's yeah. a lot of stuff in here that isn't viable. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about that. We're not gonna lie to you guys. No. That make it difficult to okay. kind of play that same way. As I was building the Daughters list, like. You know, for our game, I was like, oh, I can just kind of do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I tried building a couple of slanesh lists, you know, so that I could understand, like, what things were. And I would build, like, the base of what I thought would work. And I'd be at 1,500 points and be like, this is garbage. (laughs) Like, I need another 1,000 points to, sure." you know, well, I need another 500 points to kind of do what I think this list needs to do. I'm not saying that, you know, before Mm y'all tune out, I'm not saying it's impossible But to Dan's point, it does create some more options for you to play. It's not wide open. It's more open. That's a good way to put Uh, it. Your floor is pretty high, but your ceiling is, you know... In that four-one category. Well, it's kind of like the
0: floor moved up, but the ceiling didn't get any higher. Well, the ceiling, <laughs> so- <laughs> well, yeah,
1: against the against the original book, right, 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 the ceiling came down, but in the in the present state before this right. book came out, the ceiling was probably about the same, right. So Fair I think we have spent enough time on depravity, yes. an yeah. excessive amount of time on depravity, Let one us might say. Move on then. But yeah, let's talk about some sub factions.
0: So here. the first one is invaders. Mm-hmm. And Brendan, what would you say is the main function of invaders? Why do you take an invaders host? So you take an invaders host to have a bunch of generals. Because you can have three instead of one. Yes. Okay.
1: And there's different characters that provide different... You know, abilities for being generals, right? Some of the generic command abilities have a bigger bubble for being near your generals or the or the command ability coming from the source of your general. So that's fine. Now there is a drawback to that. You don't get things for free. So you can have up to three generals instead of one. Only one of them can have can have a command trait though.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you can't use a command trait or command ability while they're within twelve inches of any of your other generals. And in addition, each time one of your generals is slain for the first time, you receive one command point, which is not bad. Just strictly for the fact of you can really burn through command points pretty quickly in this army. So having a group that keeps you going on the command point churn is pretty nice. It's a good thing to have. Okay. So all three of them generate depravity in a special way. This one is at the end of your Battleshock phase, you receive one depravity point. If any of your generals are wholly within enemy territory, cool. Mm-hmm. If three of your generals are wholly within enemy territory at the end of your Battleshock phase, you receive D3 depravity points. Invaders makes sense. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and remember, you only get these in your Battleshock phase. You collect depravity in every Battleshock phase, but you only get this kind of you know tip over value in this instance. And then the next one, the invaders, Hedonite host... This is the super mega battalion, which yeah. we will actually talk about, Dan, yes. because you can field it okay. in a regular well, two thousand point this game. This is a first.
0: <laughs> it's I, not the first time. It's it, a
1: long time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, it's not great, but you can do it. Okay. So we'll talk about it. The Heiden Knight host, if you run invaders, changes the composition. You must include two to four Epicurean Revelers Battalion instead of one to three, and zero to two Seeker Cavalcades instead of one to three. Okay. No big deal. Fine. You yeah. know whatever command traits. Yes.
0: Why don't you tell us your your two picks?
1: Yes. So a lot of these are going to sound very familiar. If any of you played Slanash, played against Slanash, or listened to our last battle tone review, most of these things didn't change much, if at all. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my picks here are the same. Okay. The first one I have is Glory Hog.
2: Mm-hmm. At the
1: end go. of the combat phase, if any enemy units were just uh, were destroyed that phase, and this general is on the battlefield, you receive one command point. Well, there you go. Right, so you can be generating two command points a battle round from just killing stuff. hmm. Uh-huh. Meat. Nice. And then the other one I took was Skin Taker. At the end of the combat phase, if any enemy models were slain by wounds
0: inflicted by this general's attack in that phase, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to this general. Sure. My other choice was best of the best. You can reroll wound rolls for attacks made by this general while it's within six inches of another hero.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, just any hero. Yep. Yours, the enemy. Yep. That's doesn't say anything about Hedonites, so... No, nope. it's a good one. So, Dan, artifacts. artifacts. Ooh. Okay, I took... The first one is Rod of Misrule. Yep. This is, again, yep. command point city, man. So, it's... You roll a dice at the start of your hero phase. On a one, your opponent receives a command point. On a two through five, you get one. On a six, you get D3 command points. Brendan, you can reasonably, reasonably mm-hmm. be getting because a one on either end, the two to five is much more likely. You can reasonably be getting three command points a turn.
1: Yes. And that's... On top of the one that you get normally. Right. So that's really, really nice. That's why I like that one. And then you have three generals, and then when they die, you get command points for that. Sir. So you can you can stack them up, and that's great. There were times where I was playing invaders, and I had 12 command points in my pocket. <laughs> that's crazy. And, and that's just
0: going, okay, well, you know, I guess I'll just fight twice on everybody that's in range. (laughs) Okay. So, my next one was Beguiling Gem. Okay. At the start of the combat phase, pick one enemy hero within three inches of the bear roll, 3d6, and the reason I picked this was the 3d6 versus 2d6. If the roll is greater than the hero's bravery characteristics, subtract one from attack characteristics of that hero's melee weapons. That's all their melee weapons, not just one, because some Things that you get, either artifacts or other things, you just get to pick one enemy unit. So that's really, really nice. It's down to a minimum of zero. So you can, okay, so they can have none. If they have one really cool, awesome attack, they don't get that attack. Mm -hmm. The reason I picked this one is because when you look at, you're looking at die roll averages, of course. With 2d6, you're averaging seven. But with 3d6, you're averaging 10 or 11. And whose bravery is above 10? Nobody's that I'm aware of, right? So your chances of getting something higher than a hero's, and most heroes are not 10. There are a lot that, there's some that are, but most heroes are not 10. Chances of getting, let's say, an eight or better, pretty good on 3D6. So the chances of getting this off, I think, are pretty good. And the fact that if you get this off against a a really punchy hero, it could really debilitate them. Yes. So, so that's why I picked that one. Yeah, that's a good pick. My first one was the Rod of Misrule. Yeah.
1: Uh, my second one is the icon of infinite excess. Mm. Normally, I don't like the ones per battle ones. Mm. Yeah. But this one is different. Okay. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, the bearer can use this artifact. If they do so until the end of that phase, add one to hit rolls for attacks made oh. with melee weapons by friendly hedonite units while they're wholly within 12 inches of the spare. this bearer. <laughs> Ooh. This is something that you use when you're going for the kill. Mm-hmm. Right? You have. All of these command points, you have the you know the ability to fight twice. You know, coming from the keeper's command ability, you trigger this when you've got a bunch of units in range that are going to fight twice, and you're looking to just deal killing blow. In- and it's everybody in range. It's not just one unit. It's not just the bearer. It's not this specific thing. It's a whole area, twelve inches on either side of. We used to put this on chariots. Mm-hmm. Twelve inches on either side of that is a pretty sizable base. Okay stuff that's invaders Damn. We pretenders yeah
0: pretenders here if you have a general of a pretenders army if the general of a pretenders army is a hero which they would be right yeah, yeah. I, when i read that at first i'm like why wouldn't they be okay they have two different command traits so you get two that's nice instead of just one that can be very helpful mm-hmm. um, in addition you can re-roll hit rolls of one for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly pretenders units it have 10 or more models while your general is on the battlefield. No range, no nothing. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty nice buff. Now, to your point earlier, how many units with 10 or more are we going to have? Probably not a lot unless it's like demonettes or something else. Well, but the, the nice thing, though, is this one is
1: just pretenders. Right. So this is one where you would gain the benefit of marauders. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Beast of Chaos. Chaos Warriors, anything sure, like that. Sure, Chaos Warriors. Sure. 12 Varengard. The... <laughs>
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 12-parent guard. Darn, I gotta get at least 10 in there, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's just sick. Then I would say you were sick. Uh, your, your past is just crazy now. Now you're sick <laughs> if you go that far. Okay. <laughs> a Supreme Sybarite's Battalion in a Pretender's Army must include one Slaanesh hero instead of three to six. Okay, there you go. This is a narrative
1: decision. Uh-huh. The Supreme Sybarite's Battalion functions on having a bunch of heroes in it. Yep. Having one makes it... Not great, but if you are looking to play this from a narrative perspective, that makes sense. And this is one of the things that you know, we'll kind of take a side road here for a second. My special snowflake award at Bruce City Brawl, right, where it's unique and interesting Mm -hmm. lists that you know win at least three of their games. If someone was to take a pretenders list and purchased a supreme Sybrites battalion with their one hero, I would even say this at Peaks If if they chose to play a very themed. Slanesh list where they are basically putting, you know, a hand behind their back and, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're going to play in this different way. I'd consider them. Absolutely. Yes. This would just be icing on the cake at this point in time because, you know, the power level isn't. Would you
0: consider Sigvald for the hero? Sure. I mean, that would be, that seems like that would be themey to That'd me. That'd be very narrative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. That'd be cool. 100%. Uh, he yeah. Popped into my head right away when I, we'll talk about him, of course. Mm-hmm. But then the last thing is Warlord Supreme. At the end of the Battleshock phase, you receive one depravity point if your general's within three inches of an enemy unit. At the end of your Battleshock phase, you receive D3 depravity points instead of one if your general's within three inches of two or more enemy units. So your general wants to get locked in here for you to benefit. Yes. Okay. Command traits,
1: how about you? Sure, my first one is the Strength of Godhood. And once per combat phase in step four of the attack sequence, you can add one of the damage inflicted by one successful attack made by this general. This one makes sense for keepers, right? They've got damage five claws, you bump it up to a damage six. Sure. Or the sword, which is like damage two, you make it damage three. Pretty good, pretty useful. Then the next one that I like is you gain benefits by just, you know, being yourself, so I figure strongest alone, you can reroll hit rolls for attacks made by this general mm-hmm. while there are no other
0: friendly models within six inches of them. Keeping with that theme about adding damage, my first one was Hunter of God Beasts. Okay. So add one to the damage inflicted by successful attacks made by this general that target a monster. And I was thinking of a Seeker, like you had talked, or, or Keeper, keeper Secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got that two, the two damage and the five damage weapons, they would suddenly be three and six Mm -hmm. still in that keeping with that increasing the damage and making them worthwhile. And that's every time they attack. Okay. So Monarch of lies was my second choice at the start of the combat phase pick one enemy hero within three inches of this general subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that hero in that phase. Okay. That's good for keeping your hero alive a little longer, especially since some of the, some of the heroes have the ability to make themselves minus one to hit anyway. There are other things you can do in this list or in this army. Mm -hmm. So you could easily, if you had something like that, make your hero minus two to hit. Wow. Very nice. Not bad. Okay. Artifacts, Dan. First one was Sliver Slash. Same. Yeah. Yep. Pick one of the bearers' melee weapons. Add one to the attacks characteristic of that weapon. Okay. Coolio. Let's do that. The next one was Scepter of Domination. Command point time again. Mm-hmm. At the start of the hero phase, if the bear is within twelve inches of any enemy heroes, and your opponent has any command, I love this. This is kind of like Catacros Light. You know. <laughs> and your opponent has any command points. You roll a die. On a four up, your opponent loses one command point, and you receive one command point. Coolio i like that yeah very very cool that's a good one for sure yeah because you're not
1: generating command points at the same frequency that you are in the invaders Mm -mm. very little is but you are still reliant on command points in this army kind of no matter what it's just in the non-invader ones you have to be more judicious and this is a means of acquiring some more also at the cost of your opponent
0: yes so it's true so what did you pick
1: So I picked Sliver Slash with my first one, and then my second one was the Pendant of Slanesh. At Hmm. the start of your hero phase, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to the bearer. I really view Pretenders, uh, the way that you're most likely to run it is having a Keeper as the one that has all of these abilities. And Keepers are quite a bit squishier than you probably want them to be, but it makes sense. They're these unarmored creatures that... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know. <laughs> All right. Godseekers, Brendan. Sure. So this is the need for speed choice here. If you want to go fast, this is the army for you. This is the sub-faction, or these aren't even sub-factions. This is the host choice for you. Base, everything gets plus one to charge if you are a Godseeker unit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Kedonite host is... Zero to two Epicurean Revelers battalion instead of one to three and two to four Seeker Cavalcade battalions instead of one to three. And
0: I can't wait to talk about Seeker Cavalcade. That is just an amazing battalion to it's me. It's pretty good. It is really good. But tune okay. in. Hang out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wait. It's gonna be a second. And then it was just a teaser. Just, yeah. <laughs> The methodology for which they generate extra depravity points is at the end of your charge phase you receive D three depravity points. If your general made a charge move in the same turn, add one to the roll if any other friendly godseekers units made a charge
0: move in that same turn. Wow, that's so if anybody else made a charge, that's two or three instead of one to three. Yeah, D3, yeah. D3 D three D three plus one. one. Yeah. Two to four. Not bad. Okay. So then Dan, command traits. Yeah, yeah. The first one was Trail Sniffer. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice. If this general is wholly within enemy territory on a three-up, add one to the attack characteristics of this general's melee weapons. There we go. Nice. Yeah. Depending on who the general is. And the last one was Speed Chaser. Oh, that one's a (laughs) no-brainer. Tell them why, Dan. Because the general can retreat and charge later in the same turn. Those are like... If you see those words put together in part of a sentence, retreat and charge, that's almost like a go-to. That's an auto-pick anytime you see that. So what did you pick, Brendan? Obviously,
1: I picked Speed Chaser because it's really, really good. (sighs) And then the other one I picked was... I wouldn't pick any of these other ones over that one. But the other one, if you're thinking about it, is Hunter Supreme. Reroll hit and wound rolls of one for attacks made with melee weapons by this general if it made a charge move in the same turn. Mm-hmm. Which you okay. want to be doing anyways. Yep. Yeah. So. Artifacts. Artifacts. Pairing hmm. with Speed Chaser. Yes. I would be giving that model the girdle of the Realm Racer. <laughs> yes. Subtract one yep. from the bear's wound characteristic. A penalty. In exchange, you can fly. Hello.
0: Sign me up. <laughs> yep. Considering that I could probably heal, okay, so what? Sure, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah, there are means of healing, yeah. which we'll
1: talk about in a little bit. Cool, great, awesome. The next one is the Cameo of the Dark Prince. Mm-hmm, yeah. Another one that's once per battle. But at the start of your hero phase, the bearer can use this artifact. If they do so, you receive one command point. That's it. Yep. I'm with you there. That's, we picked All right, the same as same,
0: same. Fair enough. All right. So let's head over to Heroes...
1: Before we get yes. too far. Oh, okay. Let's talk about the Fane of Slanesh. Yeah, okay. The terrain piece. Yes, let's yep. do that. There's a couple of changes that are important here. The deployment is effectively the same. So after you've picked sides, but before you set up your armies, you can set up a Fane of Slanesh wholly within your territory and more than three inches from any other terrain features or objectives. Okay. Cool. Now if you both set up terrain features at the same time, you roll off. Nothing new there. The newest thing is you can summon demons from the Fane,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: you could not do before. You set them up wholly within 12 inches of the terrain feature and more than nine from enemy models. So in addition to heroes, we now have a terrain piece that we can use as a summoning point. Yes, which everyone thought you could do, like, you know, kind of on the front end because your equivalent terrain features in Corn and Nurgle let you do that, but... Slanesh didn't, and it was one of those things where I can't remember who I was playing a game with, and we're like, oh, yeah, you can't do that, can you? And I was like, no, no, I don't think you can. Well, that's that, I guess. <laughs> now you yeah. can. So then the Fane has another rule, Damned Conduit. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one friendly Slanesh hero within six inches of the train feature to make a sacrifice If you do so, that hero suffers one mortal wound, and you roll a dice on a one, nothing happens other than you taking your mortal wound. On a two-up, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by that hero until your next hero phase. Or, you can sacrifice an artifact of power instead of suffering a mortal wound, and if you do so, the artifact of power can no longer be used, and you must roll a dice. On a one, nothing happens. Bummer. On a two or more, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by that hero for the rest of the battle. Okay. So the way that works with things that are once per battle is once you have used the once per battle, then you want to run over to the Fane, (laughs) sacrifice your useless artifact, and get plus one to hit for the rest of the game.
0: Okay. Awesome.
1: Yes. Good. Now we can talk heroes. Okay.
0: That's really an interesting change. I'm glad you told me about that because I obviously I wasn't aware of mm-hmm. using it as a summoning point. I would have made that assumption, but right. It feels like that was the way it was
1: supposed to be from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole stinking keeper head coming out of it. Yeah. Like, no kidding. But sure. it's a fine change. It used to refund you some depravity points, but you know, mm-hmm. in this instance, that would be pretty nuts. Okay. Uh, if you were getting D3 back for every unit you summon nearby. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Okay. So keepers. Dan, do you want to... No, one to guy? This is really the marquee unit, I think. This guy and Glutose yep. and Sigvald are your numero unos. So keepers of secrets are monsters. So they have a table. Their movement scales from a 14 down to a 6 in 3 wound increments. 4 up save. Bravery 10 because they're demons. 14 wounds. They have a Bunch of profiles. Some of them are optional. So the Living Whip is one that's optional. It's a shooting attack, six inch range, one attack, threes by threes, rend one, damage one, but you really are going to use that for its ability which we'll talk about in a second. And then in terms of its melee weapons, the Ritual Knife slash Sinistrous Hand is the is an optional combo. One-inch range, one attack, twos by threes, rend one, damage one. Mm-hmm. Again, you look at that one, you go, eh, well, why do I care? And again, we'll talk about that in a second. You're probably going to be taking the Sinistrous Hand, the Elegant Great Blade, two-inch range, four attacks down to two, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Pretty nice. Yep. And then it's Impaling Claws, 3-inch range, 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 2,
0: damage 5 down to damage 2. Yeah. And we talked about ways to get that to 6 and the other one to 3 easy, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Crazy. Yep, 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 Because
1: it's a Hedonite, 6s to hit would also generate 2 hit rolls instead of 1. Yes. So pretty good. The Keeper of Secrets automatically has the Elegant Great Blade and Impaling Claws, and then you have to pick between the Ritual Knife... The Sinistrous Hand, the Living Whip, or the Shining Aegis, which is the shield that you see. You get your
0: six-up save. You get a demon save, Mm -hmm. as it were.
1: Yep. The Keeper has the rule Dark Temptations. This is not different than what it used to be. Yep. And you rarely used it then, and I think you'll rarely use it now. Uh, At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy hero within three inches of this model. If you do so, your opponent must choose whether the hero accepts or refuses temptation if it refuses that hero suffers d3 mortal wounds if it accepts add one to hit rolls for attacks made by that hero then at the start of the next combat phase roll a dice on a one to three that hero no longer receives the model to its hit rolls on a four to six that hero is slain yeah i (laughs) want to go swinging for the fences sure but you got to be careful because your keeper might die (laughs) yeah I'll yep. give it to Archeon, who's going to probably kill me anyways, yes. and I'll take the four-up exchange for my 340-point character. Sure. They'll just refuse it and take D3 mortal wounds. Of course. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Anybody who's smart is going to do that, but maybe they really want plus one to hit, or your hero's on their last leg, mm-hmm. and mortal wound might kill them, but you want to still swing You want to blow them up, yeah. I don't think that you're going to see Very this. situational. Yeah. Obvious. Very situational, okay. Something to keep in your pocket, but... Then they have Delicate Precision. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with a missile weapon or melee weapon by this model is a 6, that attack afflicts a number of mortal wounds equal to the damage characteristic of the weapon used for the attack, and the attack sequence ends. Yep, so if you are at full health and you roll that 6 to wound on the claws, 5 mortal wounds. Yeah. The Living Whip, which is the ranged attack we talked about. hmm
0: this is nice.
1: Yep, at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy monster within 6 inches of the model and roll a dice. On a 3-up, pick one melee weapon that model is armed with. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with that weapon
0: until the end of that phase. Now, that could be, since it just says melee weapons, that could be amounts weapons as well. Yep, that's correct. Right, okay. Yep, yep, yep. The Ritual Knife,
1: this is one of those close combat attack options. At sure. the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy model within one inch that has any wounds allocated to it and roll a dice. On a 1, nothing happens. On a 2-5, to five, it suffers one mortal wound. On a 6, D3 mortal wounds. Okay. Fine. The Shining Aegis, like you said, Dan, is a six-up to negate wounds or mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. You know, neat, useful. But the hand is the one that I think you're going to take. If this model is armed with a Sinistra's hand at the end of the combat phase, if any enemy models were slain by wounds inflicted by this model's attack in that phase, any of the attacks, remember, the Great Blade and the Claws trigger this. You just have to have the hand in order to do it you can heal up to d3 wounds allocated to this model if any enemy heroes were slain by wounds inflicted by this model's attacks in that phase you can heal up to d6 wounds allocated to this model instead that one or the shield is my kind of clear winners on this one the keeper is a two caster two one binder
0: yep Nice. That's good.
1: Yep. It's base spell, the Cacophonic Choir, is still as bad as it ever was. It's uh, (laughs) a casting value of a 6. Roll 2d6. 2d6. Yep. See, that's
0: that's my breaker on a lot of these things.
1: Each enemy unit within 6 inches of the caster that has a bravery characteristic of less than the roll suffers d3 mortal wounds. It's not going to be a whole lot of people. Yeah. On average. Now, there's means of driving bravery down. Oh, sure. However. For d3
0: mortals?
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not there for it either. The command abilities... Command ability changed Mm -hmm. in subtle ways. Yes. Uh, So excess of violence. You can use this command ability in the combat phase when it is your turn to pick a unit to fight. So the nice thing about this versus other ones is you don't have to make the choice at the start of the combat phase. Your stuff is very squishy. You can use this command ability in the combat phase when it is your turn to pick a unit to fight with. If you do so, pick one other friendly Hedonite unit. This does not work on
0: one other that was not there before.
1: Well, it's also Hedonite. So this doesn't work on your Beast of Chaos. This doesn't work on your Slaves of right. Darkness, except for Archeon. But you can't it's use gotta it be on yourself. You can't use That's... it on yourself, but you can use it on another keeper. I
0: was just going to ask. So if you've got two keepers, you yeah. can use it on each other.
1: Yeah, they can okay. hang out. They can be friends. They'll be like, no, you fight. No, you fight. <laughs> but they could each get it then, really. Yes. but you, If you spent two command points. Right, but you need two keepers to do right, that. Right, understood. That has fought once in the phase wholly within 12 inches of that model can fight for the second time if it was if it was in three inches of any enemy units you cannot benefit from the same com- from this command ability more than once in the same phase. Okay, like we said, the change there is you can't make yourself fight twice, mm-hmm.
0: and it has to be Hedonite. night. <laughs> Keepers of secrets, wow. full page of text, craziness. And then we have Celesque, mm-hmm. which is two thingies together. Yep, and Celesque is a demonette it's a hero it's a wizard a lot of other things it's eight inch move nine wounds four up save ten bravery it has two attack profiles it has an axe of dominion which is two, they're both two inches mm-hmm. uh, the axe of dominion is four attacks four up three up minus two rend d3 damage that's pretty respectable yeah and then we have eight attacks with the scourging whip three up four up minus one one damage okay pretty good yeah not bad Deadly symbiosis, which is one of the abilities. You can reroll hit rolls of one for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Hedonite units wholly within 18 inches of this model. Now, this this is kind of weird because, I mean, it's very... The conditions are kind of... Oh, there's even it, more conditions. Right. Keep reading. Right. makes it paragraph. That's what makes it tough for me, Brendan, is mm-hmm. I'm reading more and more going, okay, okay, okay. If it's with wholly within 18, that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. If the number of friendly mortal Hedonites within 18 of this model, wholly within, is equal to the number of other friendly demon Hedonite units wholly within. So if you've got two demon units, you've got to have two mortal units. If You've got two mortal units, you got to have two demon units. Yep. Or however many. And it says, is equal to. So if you got one and two, that's no good. Yep. So this is just so conditional, Brendan. I wonder, I think it's going to be almost happenstance if you have the ability to use that. Yeah. I think so. You're not planning around that. No, not at all. One of the units gets knocked off for some reason, then this goes away. You
1: have to allow one of your other units to die at, at equal rates, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> which is, is an objectively bad plan. It is. The unit can still run and charge. Okay, fair enough. That's lithe and swift and vengeful allegiance. In the combat phase, if the unmodified hit roll for any attack made with a melee weapon that targets this model is a 1, add 1 to the hit and wound rolls for attacks made by this model that target the attacking unit. That's pretty decent. Yeah, so there's value like in going it. second. Yes, absolutely. Then we have magic. It is a wizard. One cast, one dispel, or one on bind. And it has subvert as its This <laughs> is a great spell. spell. Yep. Subvert has a casting value of seven. If successful, you pick one enemy hero within 18 of the caster. That hero cannot use any command abilities. Wow. Until that your is, next hero phase. That is really, really nice. Very, very good.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, there's plenty of armies that revolve around just... Like a hero or two mm-hmm. that, you know, you utilize a specific command ability to keep the army running. Yep. You could Absolutely. use this against Catacross, yep. and he can't hand out the plus one to hit and plus one save bubble in
0: mm-hmm. Praetorians. Now, here's a question. Mm-hmm. So if I have an enemy hero and I have little and big Marathi on the board. Mm-hmm. I would, I would have to cast this against one of them. You'd have to cast this against Little Marathi. Little Marathi, okay. And I mean, you could cast it against either of them,
1: but Big yeah. Marathi doesn't have, have a command a, a ability. A command
0: ability, right. So you would be able to negate her ability to give somebody the ability to attack. Yeah, fight or and, shoot in the hero phase. Right. Correct. You could yes. do that. So that, that could be pretty worthwhile. It's okay. a good spell. Yep. Tough to get
1: off, but that's a good one.
0: Command abilities, regal authority. You can use this command ability at the start of the Battleshock phase. Mm-hmm. If this model is your general and is on the battlefield, if you do so until the end of that phase, do not take Battleshock tests for friendly Sinesh units wholly within 18 inches of this model. So, Selesk yeah. is a great uh, unit to
1: take in invaders. You make them one of your generals, not the one with the command trait, and then you would be allowed to use this command ability. At that wholly within 18-inch bubble because it requires you to be the general. Very nice. Yep. Otherwise, you are having to take this model as the general to get the full value of it. Next up is Shalaxy. Yeah. The assassin. Yes. This is a named keeper. A lot of things the same between Shalaxy and a regular keeper, right? So keep all those things in mind. It's still 14 down to 6 movement, 4 up, 10, 14, right? Bravery and Wounds. You have to pick between the Living Whip or the Shining Aegis. Mm -hmm. I think you take the Aegis. The Living Whip is the same for Shalaxy. The Claws are the same. She doesn't have a sword. She has a Soul Piercer, Mm -hmm. which is three-inch range, one attack, two up, and then it's two up down to a four up on the to wound. Ren three, damage d6. Oof. Yeah. So Shalaxy can do a couple of different things, right? She still has the sixes to wound, you know, do the damage in Mortal Wounds. But... She also has the Cloak of Constriction. Add one to save rolls for attacks with melee weapons by heroes that target this model. Mm. So when she's fighting other heroes, she's a 3-up. So then Shalaxy has Irresistible Challenge, which is similar to Dark Temptations, but a little bit different. At the start of the enemy charge phase, you use this instead. You can pick one enemy hero within 12 inches of this model and more than 3 inches from any friendly models. If you do so, your opponent must choose whether that hero accepts or refuses Shalaxy's challenge. If it refuses, it suffers D3 mortal wounds. Fine. If it accepts, the hero must attempt to charge and must finish the charge move within one half inch of this model. If it is possible for it to do so, in addition, if it accepts the challenge, any attacks that hero makes in the following combat phase must target this model. Okay. Sure. The nice thing here is that you know you you can't accept it and then be like, oh, I didn't roll high enough on the charge. I can't get to you, but I'm so I'm gonna go over here. You go over there, but you can't allocate any attacks to anybody that isn't Shalaxy. So, okay. Fine. The whip is the same. The Aegis is the same. Shalaxy has a rule called the killing stroke. At the start of your combat phase, you can pick one enemy hero within three inches of this model. If you do so, all the attacks made by this model in that phase must target this model. But the damage characteristic of the soul piercer is a six instead of D6 until the end of that phase. Wow.
0: It's only one attack, but still, if it gets through... It's a 2-up, two 2-up, two Ren 3, damage
1: 6. Yeah. Ouch. Good chance. Oof. Good chance. is a 2-caster, two 2-unbind two wizard. Her spell is Refined senses, has a casting value of 4. If successfully cast until your next hero phase, you can reroll hit rolls for attacks made by the caster that target a hero, and you can reroll save rolls for attacks made by heroes that target the caster. Okay. That's just reroll hit rolls so you can go fishing for sixes to get exploding into you know multiple hits because obviously shalaxy has a pretty limited attack profile but you know with the rerolls you can you can get kind of lucky and and do some work
2: okay
0: the contorted epitome dan ooh the cool mirror thingy yeah the cool mirror thing is cool okay the epitome is 12 inch move seven wounds five up save ten bravery it has two profiles one is one inch nine attacks Three by fours, minus one, one. And the other one is coiled tentacles. is three-inch attack. And there's or three-inch range, two attacks. Three by fours, minus two, two damage. You don't take this for its... Well, I mean... You can't. If it gets into melee, it's... You don't feel bad about it. No, not at all. But that's not why you take it. First off, this model can re-roll casting rolls. Very nice. Second thing is swallowing energy. Roll a dice each time you allocate a mortal wound to this model on a two-up. That mortal wound is negated. Wow. A two-up mortal wound save. It's pretty sweet. A horrible fascination. At the start of the combat phase, you can roll one dice for each enemy unit within three inches of this model. On a four-up, this model cannot be picked as the target of attacks made by that unit in that phase until this model makes any other attack. So whoever it makes the roll against, attacks last. Well, you can roll against... Every enemy unit. Yeah, within three. mm -hmm.
1: They can't allocate any attacks until you fight. So you can pin a bunch of units with Mm. this. Hope you roll a bunch of four-ups. You can fight in other places. And if your opponent chooses to activate that other unit that you're in range here, they just cannot allocate attacks to the epitome.
0: Okay, nice. That's really nice. Then it is a wizard. It's a two-cast, to unbind Yep. And Overwhelming Acquiescence, as opposed to Acquiescence, which, like, half of the other heroes in the Demon Side have. Yep. Overwhelming Acquiescence has a casting value of 7. If successfully cast, you pick up to D3 enemy units within 24 of the caster. You can reroll hit rolls of 1 for attacks that target those units until your next hero phase. Good. Yeah. And you're rerolling casting rolls, so,
1: you know, 7 is pretty achievable.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty reliable. Yeah.
1: Okay. How about the Enraptress? This is such a weird character. (laughs) Movement six, five up save, bravery ten, five wounds. The Infernal Raptress is a range support character of sorts. Mm -hmm. They have to pick between their two shooting modes every time that they make attacks. Sounds like noise marines (laughs) in 40K. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. They have Uh. either the cacophonous melody or the euphonic blast. The Cacophonous Melody is range 18, Mm. six attacks, threes by fours, rend one, damage one. Or the Euphonic Blast is 24-inch range, one attack, twos by threes, rend three, damage D3.
2: Okay. No,
1: Not bad. Useful. The support hero part of this is Discordant Disruption. Reroll success in casting rolls for enemy wizards that are within 24 inches of any friendly models with this ability. Wow. In addition, if the rerolled casting roll is a double, that wizard suffers D3 mortal wounds after the effects of the spell, if any, have been resolved. Wow. Nice. In addition, this model can attempt to dispel one endless spell at the start of your hero phase in the same manner as a wizard. If it does so, add one to the dispelling roll.
0: Man, That's pretty sweet. Yeah.
1: And, you know, they keep some of these enemy models in check and relatively inexpensively at 150 points, Mm -hmm. you know, to keep your enemy wizards from maybe thinking twice about what spells and when they're going to cast them. Not a bad investment. And then next up we've got the mask, Dan. Yeah, here we go. The mask. I like the
0: mask. Before we get into many, many, many heralds of Slanesh. Yeah, but I really like this. I think there's some utility here with the mask especially if you use some other things do some other things that we'll talk about eventually so the mask is 10 inch move five wounds five up save 10 bravery has one attack profile which is range one six attacks three by fours minus one rend one damage now it's got a few uh, abilities the first one is the staff of masks Mm -hmm. at the start of your hero phase you can either add d3 to the attacks characteristic of this model making it nine up to nine So it'd be six plus D3. Yep. And until your next hero phase or heal D3 wounds. Nice. It's good that you can make that choice. I like that. Uh, The Endless Dance, this model is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it's within six of enemy models instead of three. And can fly and move an extra three inches when it piles in. (laughs) My gosh, man. This thing can get locked in pretty easy. Yes. I mean, if it's moving an extra three on the pile in, Depending on where you are on the board, whatever, you may not even need to charge to engage. And most of the time, you're not. Yeah, that's really nice. And you use her to kind of pin an edge, fight Uh big units. She's quite, quite good. And in addition, on the Endless Dance, you can reroll hit rolls for attacks made by this model that target an enemy unit with a move characteristic of 10 or less, which is a lot of units. And you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made by this model that target enemy units with a move characteristic of five inches or less mm-hmm. wow okay <laughs> pick your target and go for it that's really good brendan yes you can do some real uh picking off stuff yeah so the mask is 130 points and and can is you, a demon can you say depravity i mean if it's going to go and pick off pieces of units man that's really good yes that's really really good Now, the other thing here, Brendan, and this is just a technical question for you. You can't retreat and charge. Correct. You can't do that. But if this unit is engaged... You can retreat and pile in six inches. Right. So you can still effectively retreat and charge with this unit because of that distance. Okay. Yeah, nice. All right. You can run and still charge, which is great. And then each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound on a four-up, it's negated. So it's got a five-up, four-up save. Nice. That's great for 130 points, man. That's really nice. 130
1: points. You can hand out a locus of diversion from the mask, which is less good right now because you have to be within one inch at the end of the charge phase in order to hand it out. Before, you had to just be within six inches. Yeah, it was six inches at the end of the charge phase, so you would just keep the mask outside of range. You would hand out the debuff to somebody else and then pile in six inches sure. you know, somewhere else as well. Okay. Just like Celeste, this is an excellent candidate for invaders. If for no other reason than the mask is 130 points, Mm -hmm. she's going to do some fighting, she's going to generate some depravity for you, Uh, but then eventually, this model is just going to die, and you'll get a command point for it. Yeah, there you go. And if your opponent wants to dump a ton of energy into getting rid of the mask, cool. More power to him. Sure.
0: You get the command point that brings this model's cost down to 80 points. Mm Mm-hmm. And you might be able to pull off two or three or four depravity points if you play it right. Sure. By wounding units, going to another unit, wounding that one, not killing anything. Yeah,
1: the mask is a high return investment in Seems your army. Yeah, very nice.
0: Okay, we're going to go
1: into the Heralds, and there's yeah. a bunch of them. It's a battery of them. So yeah, we'll we'll bunch. cover the things that are new when we get there, and then when we say things are same as same. They will be. Yep, they just are. Why don't you cover these, Brendan, because you're much more familiar with these than I am. Mm-hmm. So all of these are some version of a Herald of Slanash. The first mm-hmm. one is the Vice Leader. This is the Herald of Slaanesh on foot. Uh, movement 6, 5-up save, bravery 10, 5 wounds. They have the Ravaging Claws, which all of them have pretty much in some way, shape, or form. I think the only one that doesn't is the Bladebringer.
0: Um, and these Ravaging Claws are all the same as they were on the mask. The profile's the same, Yeah, 1-inch range, 6 attacks, 3s by 4s, rend 1, damage 1. Okay.
1: Cool. They have the Lightning Reflexes, which is a slightly worse version of the mask. <laughs> you get a five up against wounds or mortal wounds instead of the four up live and swift. You can still run in charge is a one cast wizard, which is acquiescence and acquiescence is a spell that a lot of these characters know. They are all named the same, and you are allowed to cast acquiescence as many times as you want, as long as you have, you know, casters you can do it. You do not have to abide by the rule of one in this particular instance. So acquiescence is a casting value of five. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of the caster that is visible to them. You can reroll hit rolls of one for attack that target until the, your next hero phase.
0: Cool. And acquiescence is the same for all of them. Yes. Yep, yep, same yep. spell,
1: yep. okay. Exactly the same. So the Bladebringer,
0: Herald on Hellflayer, is a Herald of Slanesh on a Hellflayer chariot. Now I'm going to keep track of the total number of attacks they have, that, just to, to mm-hmm. kind of compare. So this one has 16 total attacks, yes. this model.
1: Okay. that's correct. Oof. Uh, movement 12, Forp Save, Bravery 10, 9 wounds. So Ravaging Claws, same thing. Uh, it has Piercing Claws and Flensing Whips, which is 2-inch range, 6 attacks, threes by 4s Rend 1, damage 1 and Poison Tongues, one-inch range, four attacks, threes by fours, no run, damage one. Okay. It has Soul Sense, so at the start of your combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch of this model. On a four-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, for each four-up add one to the attack's characteristics of this model's melee weapons until the end of that phase. Jeez, that's 19 attacks from one model, Brendan. That's per profile. Yeah. But you roll a four up for every enemy unit within one inch.
0: Wow. It's got a decent base, doesn't it? It it does, yes. Wow, you could... (laughs) You can get a lot of attacks out of one of these things.
1: Yes, you can. <laughs> Holy mutt. Wow. It's also a wizard. also has acquiescence. Sure. Okay. The Bladebringer, Herald on Seeker Chariot, 12-inch move, 4-up save, Bravery 10, 8 wounds. And this is uh, 13 attacks base.
0: hmm Okay.
1: They don't have the Ravaging Claws, but they have Piercing Claws and Flensing Whips broken out. Mm-hmm. The cleansing whips is uh, the two inch range, six attacks, threes by fours, rend one damage one, and then the piercing claws are the same as the ravaging claws. Okay. It's just three attacks. Okay, they have four poison tongue attacks, same as the blade bringer. Mm -hmm. Impossibly swift can retreat and still charge later in the same turn (laughs) great choice for god seekers sure uh this one has mutilating blades so after it finishes a charge move roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch on a two up that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds
0: impact hits all right
1: exactly as a wizard also has acquiescence okay and then it culminates in just the nonsense machine that is the blade bringer herald on exalted chariot this
0: thing Brendan. this thing has 23 base attacks it is also
1: it's two insane. seeker chariot kits smashed together
0: it's insane
1: it is a nightmare to build and even worse to paint
0: oh god that's
1: insane but it is really really stinking good right this is one hero the Bladebringer herald on exalted chariot is 250 <sighs> points and it is worth every single point you can spend okay 10 inch move Mm. so it is a little bit slower you know than its peers fine four up save bravery 10 10 wounds Mm -hmm. has flensing whips six attacks of that nine piercing claws eight poison tongues (laughs) it has excess of blades after this model finishes a charge move roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch of it on a 1, nothing happens. On a 2-4, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. On a 5-up, it suffers D6 mortal wounds. It also has pungent soul sense. At the start of the combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch of this model. On a 2-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, for each 2-up, add one of the attack's characteristics to this model's melee weapons until the start of that
0: phase. If this thing's in an invaders, mm-hmm. and you give it the command trait... It could be re rolling all its wound rolls. Correct. Which would make it a three up, three up, three up for all those attacks. It, uh, mathematically. Mathematically, it would be slightly
1: better than that, yeah. yes.
0: Oh my God, Brenton. <laughs> That's crazed.
2: Ooh, wee.
1: Yeah. And wow. it's also a wizard and also knows acquiescence. Yes, of course. So remember all of these war scrolls because there are non hero versions of them that we'll yes. talk about a little bit later. Okay. But next. Is
0: mortals. Oh, mortals. And we have our buddy Glutose. Yeah. A.K.A. Fatacros. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's what he's being called. Mm-hmm. So, astounding model, of course. Very, very cool. But so interesting uh, how they, in one of the functions, we got the companions similar to Catacros. Yep. Which function in a similar way. But man, Brandon, he is just amazing. And he's so, in his own right, he's a very powerful model, but he's so good at buffing this army. Yes. Especially mortals, but but this army. And he is... I think he's a little high on the point side at 400. Mm. Yeah.
1: But I don't think he's too far off.
0: No, and he's reasonable for this large a model. He's a reasonable movement. It's eight down to four. He's got 18 wounds with a three-up save, Brendan. Mm-hmm. That's really survivable. Nine bravery. He's got four different attack profiles. Now, you're going to lose a lot of them as he takes wounds. The first one is the Great Blade. And all these are one-inch range. Uh, Great Blade has three attacks, three by three, minus two, two damage. Mm-hmm. He had the Flaying Scourge. his two attacks, three by fours, no rent, one damage. Sacrificial Dagger is one attack. Four by threes, no ran one damage. And then the crushing claws, which go from six down to three attacks. Three by threes, minus one, three damage. Oof. Yeah. Man. Okay. So that's what all those are. We've got a bunch of companions. We've got four, three companions, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Three of them. Yep. As the uh, Glutos suffers wounds, these people go away. The priestess goes away first. And then the Lashmaster, yeah, which is kind of sad because she gives a really, really good save. Well, and, so. and that is
1: in line with all of the other tables that kind of work with sure. the companions. Yeah, the first one to die has a pretty solid ability. Sure, that there are other sense. good things
0: right as you go along, but yeah, the that's... first one to die is usually. And we'll talk about her now. His deal here, and these abilities are cumulative. Which I saw that and going, wow, that's really good. So each one of these, the Grand Gourmand, because he's eating a meal, you know, he's got the different courses in the meal. So battle round one, he has the aperitif. He adds one to bravery characteristics of mortal Hedonite units within six inches. That's not wholly within, it's just six inches. Right, effectively making him bravery ten. And you will notice that this stuff, most of it, not all of it, but most of it's mortals. So fair enough, he is a mortal. The starter, which is battle round two, this model can run and still charge. Battle round three, do not take battle shock tests for friendly mortal heed knight units while they're wholly within 12. And round four is the dessert. <laughs> At the end of your hero phase, you can replace the spell this model knows from the lore of painted pleasure with a new spell. Whew, that's pretty flexible. In addition, he can attempt to cast one extra spell in your hero phase. Great stuff, man. Yep. Great stuff. And battle round five, which is the digestive. He can reroll casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls. Woof. Man, really nice, Brendan. Yeah, that one comes a little late for me. But having it, yeah, you're right. I mean, by that time, (laughs) the battle's pretty much most of the time going to be decided. Mm -hmm. But it's still nice that he gets it. You're right. It is round five. Um, Fog of Temptation. This is a really great buff. Yes. For everybody. So for attacks made by enemy units within 12 inches of this model. If you've got this close to some of your own units that you want to hang around for a while, man, minus one to hit. That's great. Anything within 12, too. And notice that. That's not wholly within. That's just within 12. So very nice there. And then the Lear Stave of Lothshar. Add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for this model. So he gets to add one for everything. For the whole game. Yep. And then if you make it to turn five, he'll get to reroll stuff. Okay. But he still gets that plus one on everything before that. Uh, yes, yes, yes. He's got three companions. Let's talk about the priestess first, just because she's got the awesome buff. And it's in your hero phase. If uh, the priestess is there, you can say that she will call to Sloanesh to protect her master. If you do so, roll a die. On a one, nothing happens. On a two up, until your next hero phase, you can roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound, and it's a five up save. Man, Nice. Yeah, 3-up, 5-up really isn't bad. It's like a stone horn. <laughs> 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 kind of a 3-up, 5-up save. You have the Lashmaster. The Lashmaster gives him re-roll charge rolls. And finally, the Painbringer. And if the unmodified wound roll for an attack made by this model's Wailing Great Blade is 6, that attack inflicts two mortals on the target, and the attack sequence ends. Okay, he's going to get three attacks with the Great Blade. You know, just same as before the rest of the book, every 6 to hit counts as two hits. Yep. So, it's a Hedonite unit, right? It is. It is indeed. Okay. That's everything we got. We still have command abilities and magic. So, the command ability is Gorge on Excess. You can use this command ability once per turn in your hero phase. If you do so, pick one friendly Hedonite unit. So, yep. it's anybody in this book, to your point earlier. And so, your next hero phase, if an enemy model is destroyed by an attack made by that Hedonite unit, and there are wounds that remain to be allocated to the en- enemy unit from that attack, Heal up to the same number of wounds allocated to that Heed Knight unit. I like this command ability. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think it's creative. It deals with the value of overkill, Mm -hmm. right? Because you don't get anything if you kill the unit even. Mm -hmm. This is all of the extra damage that you were going to do is what heals you.
0: Pretty neat. You know, it's really only particularly useful on Glutose but man if he's down to like six or seven wounds and somebody you know really does a number on someone else you can get all those back
1: yeah him a keeper sigvald this would be a weird command ability to spend on anything that isn't you know another hero effectively right.
0: that's really ripping stuff apart yeah. yeah yeah and then magic he is a wizard we said two spells two casts to unbind two unbind yep at plus one to- and his special spell is Crippling Famishment. It has a casting value of 7. If it's successful, pick one enemy unit within 18 of the caster. Until your next hero phase, have the move... Ca- oh, wow. Have the move characteristics of that unit. Have run rolls. Have charge rolls. Hey, Varengard. <laughs> <laughs> if I could get him, Man, would that not affect your Varengard? Oh my gosh, yes. Sure. That'd be huge. Except I'm not charging. Yeah, darn you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, that's our man, Glutos. Yeah
1: one of the two new named characters in the book Mm -hmm. the next new one is sigvald who is a warhammer fantasy battle hero brought to the mortal realms Mm -hmm. he is larger and beefier than ever before (laughs) which is cool it's a six inch move three up save bravery nine six wounds so you're thinking that's pretty light he's more durable than you might think just looking at that wheel so he has Shard Slash, which is a one-inch range. The attack's characteristic is driven, actually, by his charge roll. Mm-hmm. Add three to charge rolls for this model. In addition, the attack's characteristics of Shard Slash is either five or equal to the unmodified charge roll made for this model in the same turn, whichever is higher.
0: So, Brendan, you're rolling a 2d6, right? In yes. charge. Yep. On average, you're going to roll a seven, on average. That means he would have ten attacks. Unmodified. Okay, so it'd be a seven. He'd have yes. seven attacks. I gotcha. Okay. Yep. yep.
1: So you add the three to the charge roll. That is a modification, but whatever the base dice roll gotcha. is, is his attacks profile or Perfect. five. I'm getting so excited here. Yep. That's okay. Dan, it's what you do, Dan. Okay. <laughs> so it's between five and 12 is right. the number of attacks that Sigvald has on his profile. Between five and 12 attacks, twos by threes, rend two, D3 damage, but also... Wounds inflicted by an attack made with Shard Slash cannot be negated. And so what that means, you still get an armor save. Yes. But you do not get any sort of... No after saves. Yeah. No death saves, no demon saves, no artifact saves. If you failed your armor save, D3. That's what it is. Pretty good. And it's Ren minus two, you said, the Mm -hmm. attack. Yeah, Ren minus two. Nice. And, 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 Sigvald gets... His Glorious Reborn ability. This model fights at the start of the combat phase. If it made a charge move in the same turn, it cannot fight again in the same phase unless an ability or spell allows it to fight more than once. So a Keeper can make him fight again, but he doesn't get to fight in the start of the combat phase step.
0: If he's within 12 inches of gludos, mm-hmm. he would have a minus one to be hit. Yes. And if he's a hero and there's something else around, he could be a minus two to hit.
1: From Lookout, sir. Yeah. Yep. He has the required number of wounds to be able to to hide behind units sigvald also has the mirror shield which is a four up that wounds or mortal wounds are negated so a three up four up save for this man Mm -hmm. nice pretty okay i would say yeah so dan do you want the lord of pain or the shard speaker i'll take the shard speaker okay
0: yeah since like i got her model i might as well talk about her
1: yeah you got it so the lord of pain is the next character up then six inch move four up save bravery seven five wounds he has the soul piercer mace which is pretty good two inch range five attacks threes by threes rend one damage two and he has kind of an interesting Rule: Share the pain. And it took me a couple times to read this and fully understand what it meant, probably because I was distracted the first two times I was reading it. Mm -hmm. Roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to this model. On a 5-up, that wound or mortal wound is negated. In addition, each time a wound or mortal wound inflicted by a melee weapon is negated by this ability, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound. So not only does he
0: have... A death save, a demon save, right? Whatever you want to call it. He has a five-up bounce back on So if you, let's say you put ten attacks on him. I hit him ten times, I wound him ten times. Mm -hmm. He's going to roll his dice. If three of those are a five-up, I take three mortal wounds. Correct. Okay. Now he would die in that instance. Yes. Yes. And then he
1: has a command ability... Paragon of Depravity. You use this in the combat phase. If you do so, pick one friendly mortal Hedonite unit wholly within 12 inches of this model, and you can reroll hit rolls for attacks made by that unit in that phase. <laughs> you know, not bad. No, not uh, all. Jeez. Sigvald is immortal <laughs> if you wanted. Uh, Gludos is immortal if you wanted. Yeah. You know, there are a couple of different mortal Hedonite units in here that are pretty fighty, mm-hmm. or you could toss it on Archeon if you were so inclined. Yeah, sure. Why not? But, you know, again, the limit is mortal heathen Knight. So, Dan, tell us about the Shard Speaker. Yeah, a neat little model. And I love this War Scroll. Yep. This is going to be such an absolute linchpin of armies that want to
0: specifically leverage mortals, but even demons benefit. And I want you to tell me about it. After I go through the War Scroll, I want you to tell me why that is. Okay. Okay, so the Shard Speaker is six-inch move, five wounds, five up save, seven bravery. She has two attack profiles, um, one is one inch, it's the Haze Staff, two attacks, four up, three up, no Ren, D3 damage. And then the Shadow Cloaked Claws, which is two inches, four attacks, three up, three up, minus two, one damage. But you only get the Shadow Cloaked Claws right. sometimes. Correct, and we're going to talk about this. If the model successfully casts a spell that is not unbound until your next hero phase, this model can attack with the Shadow Cloaked claws and you can add two to save rolls so now she all of a sudden has a three up save and is quite fighty yeah yeah because that's a pretty nice attack three by three is minus two even though it's only one damage that's nice then she has the twisted mirror and once per turn in your shooting phase you can pick one enemy unit within nine inches of this model on a three up add one to wound rolls for attacks that target that unit in the following combat phase same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once per turn. Wow, Brendan. It's kind of like a tau uh target lights. Oh yeah, laser uh, markers. Yeah, yeah, marker lights. That's what it is. That's pretty cool. And it adds one to wound rolls in the combat phase. Yep. yep which are now, unusual. You, you got to be kind of close, but that's not necessarily a terrible thing. No, not at all. And then finally she's a wizard. She can cast one and unbind one. Her specific spell is Reflection Eternal. Reflection Eternal has a casting value of only six, which is great. Successfully cast. Pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster that's visible to them. Subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made by that unit in the following combat phase. So, you're going to talk about why she's a linchpin here. But not only can you get Sigvald pretty easily to minus two to hit, you can get him minus one to wound. Yeah. If somebody's trying to hit him. Mm -hmm. Not only is he pretty survivable, but you got to hit him and wound him first. (laughs) All right. Well, talk about this linchpin concept.
1: Yeah. So the shard speaker is one hundred and thirty points. Very reasonable. Sorry, one hundred and fifty points. Pretty good cost. Just like the rest of the book is, you know, is relatively squishy. You have a means of making them less so. The ability to add plus one to wound and the ability to hand out minus one to wound, even has the shard speaker to me as a model that should be considered as an ally in Mm. books that can take Slonesh allies. I think that's worth looking at. Mm. But here in the Slanesh book, you are already not a very durable army and your offense is limited to kind of scalpel operations. The shard speaker helps with... Both of those things on the war scroll itself. There's nothing else, you know, that, that you can that you have to grab to make it work. You don't have to take a specific lore spell. You don't have to take a specific artifact. For 150 points, you are getting a self-contained character that is doing things that you want to be doing, whether you're taking demons, mortals, or mixed arms. Mm-hmm. And you know, even pairing it with into other armies as an ally, pairing the shard speaker on top of a unit like Bellicore. Who also has a spell to hand out minus one to wound at, you know, 240 points with another 150 points? You're invested 390 points, which is a sizable thing. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, it's only a fifth of your army. Between the two of them, to be able to hand out two separate minus ones to wound or focusing it into minus two into a unit that your opponent has poured, I don't know, let's say 600 points or something like that to reduce their effectiveness, okay. There are other things in this list that hand out minus ones to hit, but for 150 points, the Shard Speakers is maybe one of the best purchases you can make in this book as a Hedonites unit. Okay. Do not sleep on this unit.
0: All right. Well, I'll have her painted and on the shelf yeah, if, great. I, if I ever go that way. Well, let's talk oh. about lores, and then
1: oh. Okay. Right. Like while we have the hero still fresh in our mind, yes. let's talk about the spell lores, and we'll take yes. a quick break.
0: Okay, that sounds good. Yep.
1: Yep. Rather than opening and then going yeah. to something else. That
0: sounds good. Okay, so spell lures. Yes. There's some fun stuff in here. Yep, yeah, so you have three spell
1: lures, one for demon heroes, uh, one for greater demon heroes, and one for mortal heroes. Mm-hmm. In the demon ones, I picked, and a lot of them are pretty similar to what they were before, Hysterical Frenzy, Casting Value of a 7, and this is one I'd put on the mirror, the Infernal Enraptures. No, 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 that's the... The Epitome, the right? The Epitome, yes, yep. the Epitome. Okay. Casting Value of a 7, so it's a little high, but... You pick one enemy unit wholly within 18 inches of the caster that is visible to them. Roll one dice for each model in that unit.
2: Mm. For
0: each six, it's D3 mortal wounds. (laughs) Oh, God. Man, Brendan, if it only has 20 models, you're going to be rolling at least, on average, 3D3. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a lot of mortal wounds, too. Yes. That is a horde buster, yes? Indeed. Okay. Absolutely correct. Yeah, I picked that one. The other one I picked is more situational,
1: but I think it has a relatively high ceiling phantasmagoria Mm. casting value of a seven pick an enemy unit within 18 inches roll six dice for each five up subtract one from the unit's bravery characteristics to a minimum of one until your next hero phase
0: so what did you take? I took the Hysterical Frenzy, and then I took the Pavane of Slaanesh. Okay. The Pavane has a casting value of 7, so it's a little tougher to get off. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within 6 inches of the caster, so you have to be close. I get that. And it's visible to them. Roll the number of dice equal to the hero's move characteristic. For each 5-up, that hero suffers one mortal wound. So you know, on an average, 6, 5, or 6-wound hero, you're probably going to get a couple of mortals. Eh, I'll take that. It's based on the move characteristic, right. so they don't have to be right. bigger. Or- or anything right. like that but they just have to fast. be fast right so 12 a lot of heroes have 12 14 inch move and it's not a six up it's five up mm-hmm. too so yeah okay you thank you yeah. then the greater demon one dan which one did you take paths of the dark prince it's a good one yeah it's casting value of seven again if successfully cast the caster can fly it's so mm-hmm. sweet that is nice man a flying flying uh, seeker keeper keeper i keep saying seeker there's another unit called seeker because i like seeker so much probably so a flying keeper man that's really scary to think about
1: right and you don't have to be god seekers to get it with the loss of the thermal rider cloak this is a spell that you're gonna you're gonna see people taking quite a bit Mm -hmm. the other one that i think you're gonna have in the interest of sharing the the good things in here i think all three of the greater demon ones mm-hmm. are useful. Yeah. A slothful stupor, casting value of a seven. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within twelve inches of the caster that is visible to them until your next hero phase. That hero cannot use command abilities and cannot run or attempt to charge. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Useful. Yeah. Very useful. Yeah. Just sit there. Yeah, The progeny is good as well, but you know, we picked mm-hmm. our one each. So then the mortal one, damn.
0: What did Battle you Battle Rapture? You- Okay. It has a casting value of 5, so it's very reliable. If successfully cast pick one friendly mortal slanesh unit wholly within 18. So mortal slanesh could be somebody out of Slaves. Yep. Yep, okay. Wholly within 18 of the caster that is visible to them. Do not take Battleshock test for that unit until your next hero phase. So it's kind of like you're getting a command point to give Battleshock immunity kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But if you roll a 10 or more, then... You can pick three friendly Slaanesh mortal units. So instead of one. Okay. Yeah,
1: not bad. No. I took Dark Delusions. Mm-hmm. Battle Rapture is a good one. I think I remember the last time we went through this and the lore of pain and pleasure. <laughs> we just looked at each other and said, these are all garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now you actually have mortal units that can know, use them. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Dark Delusions, casting value of a 4. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit wholly within 18 inches of the cast or Invisible Them. Roll 2d6. If the roll is equal to or greater than the unit's bravery characteristic, add mm-hmm. one to hit rolls for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. Pairing that with Phantasmagoria, I think you can do something nice there. Okay. Uh, it also benefits shooting attacks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Plus one to mm-hmm. hit on your bliss barb Archers. hmm Probably something decent to have. Yes. So... Those are the heroes. These are the spells. We're going to take a break here. Yes. And then we'll come back. We're going to talk the regular War Scrolls. We're going to talk the War Scroll Battalions and hit you with some closing thoughts. And then it'll be on to the rest of the show.
0: Okay. Thanks, Brandon. We'll be right back. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Okay, folks, we are back, and we are going to talk about the regular roar Scrolls, and Brendan, why don't you start us off with the Hellflare? Yeah, so the Hellflayer,
1: the Seeker, and the Exalted Chariots are the same versions as the Bladebringers on those chariots. They are just not wizards, and they have slightly fewer wounds and slightly fewer attacks. So the Hellflayer is 12-inch move, 4-up save, Bravery 10, 7 wounds, It has the same three attack profiles, but it only has four piercing claws, threes by fours, rend one, damage one, six piercing claws and flensing whips. I think that that's a typo. (laughs) Two-inch range, six attacks, threes by fours, rend one, damage one. I think ravaging claws is maybe what they mean on that first one. Okay. Poison tongues, one-inch range, four attacks, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. And these same profiles are basically going to flow over into the other ones. It's just going to be the number of attacks that change.
0: And this is 14 attacks on this model. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah, pretty all right. The health layer has the same ability as the herald on health layer, which is the start of the combat phase. You roll a dice for every enemy, mo- enemy unit within one inch of the model. On a four-up, it suffers D3 mortal wounds. And for every four-up, you get plus one attack. Nice. Same, 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 same. <clears throat> okay.
0: And now I can say Seeker. Yes. Without having to correct myself and say Keeper. Right. The Keeper Chariot. (laughs) No. Wait a minute. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Okay. So we have Seeker Chariots. I was really hoping you were going to say Keeper Chariots. (laughs) No. I thought about it too much this time. So 12-inch move, 6 wounds, 4 up save, 10 bravery. Has three profiles, as you can imagine. Flensing, wet piercing claws, poison tongues. Mm Mm-hmm. That unit can retreat, ooh, there it is, magic words, retreat and charge. Yep. So it can do that. It has mutilating blades. After it finishes the charge move, impact hits for D3 mortal wounds. If the unit has more than one model, uh, roll a die to determine if mortal wounds are inflicted after each model finishes its charge move. This is kind of like, what am I thinking, Corn Day's Big Guys. Oh, the blood crushers. Yeah, it's like crushers. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing where you roll for each individual model. So that's it. So it's got impact hits, and it can retreat and charge. Yeah, nice. because
1: you can take Seeker Chariots in units of, you know, I believe it's three.
0: I think so. Yep. I think you're right.
1: Yep. Yeah. Up to three. Which One. is nice. And Seekers are battle line in God Seekers, mm-hmm. which is pretty okay. Look, if you have the wherewithal to build and paint multiple Seekers and Exalted Chariots, good for you. Like, they're good, but... You want to talk about, like, models that provide barrier to entry? It's these. These things are a nightmare. Good, but... Then the Exalted Chariot is just like the Herald version. It has one fewer wound. It has fewer attacks. It only has four flensing whips, uh, nine piercing claws, eight poison tongues. Oh,
0: so it only has 21 attack.
1: Yeah, just a a paltry 21 (laughs) attack stand. Just...
0: (laughs) That's
1: insane. I, you know, you're, you're wasting your time rolling these dice. <laughs> Has the same thing, excessive blades, impact hits for each enemy unit within one. On a one, nothing happens. A two to four is D3 mortal wounds. A five up is D6. Pungent soul scent, which is the same as the health layer, except it triggers on a two up. Chariots are pretty good.
0: Mhm. Seems so. But you got to have the... The painted model on the table. Yes. That might take you a while is what you're saying. <laughs> You it, might give up after the first
1: one. <laughs> there's definitely some patience involved in it. I build models for people from time to time, you know, yes. f- for a nominal fee. And this is one of the kits where I charge a lot more <laughs> okay. uh, to build. Do with that what you will.
0: Okay. I'll let you talk about demonets because I want to talk about the next one.
1: All right, cool. So demonettes are your base demons in a Hedonites of Slaanesh army. They are 6-inch move, 5-up save, bravery ten, one wound. It's 110 points per 10. They have 1 attack profile, the piercing claws, 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 4s, rend 1, damage 1. This is one of the rare units that can get up to above 20. To get 6s to hit are 3 hits as opposed to just Mm 2. The champion called the Allure has 1 extra attack, so there are 3 attacks instead of 2. Your standard bearer, one in every five, can either be a Daemonette Banner Bearer or a Daemonette Icon Bearer. The Banner Bearer lets you re-roll charge rolls for this unit. The Icon Bearer, unmodified Battleshock rolls of one. Uh, you can add D6 models to this unit and no models flee from the unit in that phase.
0: It's just like most demons, yep.
1: Yep, same as the corn one, same as the Nurgle one, same as the Horror one, like...
0: Mm-hmm. Good.
1: I'm glad it's consistent.
2: Yeah, that is good.
1: They have a horn blower. One in every 10 can be a horn blower. If the unmodified roll for a battle shock test for an enemy unit that is within six inches of this unit while it has a horn blower is a one, the battle shock test must be re rolled. Nice. Damonettes can run and still charge.
0: So, number one, they can re roll charge rolls mm-hmm. and they can run and charge. Correct. Nice. Really good.
1: If you feel like dumping some, you know, a command point in them to make it a six, you know, they're a 12 inch move with a re rolling charge, which. Is not bad. In Godseekers, you're getting plus one. Mm-hmm. So as you read all these things, right, you know, there are different heroes that orient you towards being invaders. And then there are some units that orient you towards running Godseekers. And I think Pretenders is if you're going to take a Keeper. Okay. They benefit from the rerolling hit rolls of one, but I think your more competitive paths forward are in invaders or in Godseekers. Okay. Fiends, Dan, this well, is
0: a unit I... Oh, I really like these guys. Yeah,
1: there's 60 points each, and they come in units of three for 180
0: points. Mm-hmm. They, they are, are great. They are really Nice. They have so much potential uh, with buffs and other things. So they're 12-inch move, so they're mm-hmm. very respectable, very fast. Four wounds, five up save, ten bravery. They have two attacks. They have Deadly Pinchers, which is one inch. Four attacks, three by threes, minus one, one. And then they have the Barb Stinger, which is two inches, one attack, three by threes, minus one Ren, and a special attack called Deadly Venom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we'll talk about that one right away. If the target of an attack made with this Barb Stinger has a wound characteristic of one, damage characteristics one. If it has two to three wounds, damage characteristic is D3. If if the target has a wound characteristic of four more, D6 damage, Brendan. Yes. Wow. If I could get a few of these around a nice big monster, you could just do some ripping with these guys. You really could. I mean, these could definitely be monster killers. Yeah. Yeah. With that kind of potential, anyway. Sure, swingy, because it's D6. But get enough of them, you're going to get those 6s. So that's the attack, the melee weapon profile. The Blissbringer adds... One attack to the characteristic of the deadly pinchers. Crushing Grip. If the unmodified wound roll for attack made with the pinchers is a six, the weapon has a damage characteristic of D3 instead of one. Again, buffing up that damage potential with Mm -hmm. these guys. Disruptive Song. This is great. Subtract one from casting rolls for enemy wizards if they're within 12 inches of any friendly model with this ability. And Soporific Musk. Subtract one for hit rolls. For attacks made with melee weapons that target this unit, if it has four more, subtract one from wound rolls as well. So subtract one from hit and wound rolls. Yeah. Survivable, powerful, fast.
1: They're not inherently survivable. Right, Mm. at five up save, at four wounds. If you're just looking at the wheel in the corner.
0: Right, that's it. But with this buff, the musk buff, Mm -hmm. you could have a buff from other things because we are talking about slanesh. We've already talked about some of the leaders that can provide buffs. There's spells that can do that. There's a lot of other ways to get these
1: guys. Right, and you are made survivable by making your opponent less effective. Mm Mm-hmm. Where in a lot of other conversations we have, it's about, you know, fortifying yourself as opposed to disrupting your opponent. Where, you know, if we remember when we started talking about this book, <clears throat> what I was saying was you have to time things well. You have to put things in the right place. You have to be in the right place. Make the right decisions. Who you debuff, how you debuff, when you debuff them are important decisions that you have to make. This is a unit that when you take your six of them is 360 points. You know, it's, it's an investment. It's
0: 24 wounds, though.
1: It is 24 wounds. But you can, they're fast, put them where you want to put them. You can have them fighting the things that they're going to be good against. You don't want to chuck them into a horde of guys. No. That's not what they're good at. Put them into the enemy units that mean something. Have them hit an edge. Bring a keeper alongside them. Force them to not be able to pile into you. Keep the return to a minimum. But these are difficult, specific decisions that you have to make. I think fiends at, when you look at it as 60 points a model, is pretty good. I think some of the things that folks don't like is that you have to buy them in packs of three, Mm -hmm. right? in terms of their war scroll. I can see that debate. If you were just buying individuals of them for 60 points versus three for 180, (laughs) I'm here for that. But I think in the context of this book this fiend war scroll and the, and some of the other war scrolls in the army are really quite good. It's my yeah. soapbox. Okay. Uh, next up Dan is Seekers. Yeah, you want to yeah. keep talking about those since you love them so much. You keep talking about keepers? No. Yeah. I'm going to All right, so the Keeper of Secrets
0: <laughs> is <laughs> So Seekers are the cavalry of the Slanesh army. Many people are mounted on them, whether it be chariots or hellstriders or bliss barbs or whoever kind of crazy people but the base seeker is 14 inch move two wounds five up save 10 bravery it Has piercing claws and poison tongue again so it's two attacks with the piercing claws three by fours minus one one and then two attacks with the tongue three up four up no rend one damage so you get a lot of upgrades here you get the heart seeker adds one to the attack characteristic of the claws standard bearer one in every five models and you can reroll charge rolls and you can with the banner bearer and the icon bearer you can add d3 models okay so if a battle shock roll of one is made it's the same kind of thing except mm-hmm. it's a little light instead of d6 you get d3 well it's because of the the model right. type right? right exactly so you're getting d3 models because you've got two wounds apiece if you roll a one for Battleshock. The horn blower. if unmodified Battleshock roll for an enemy unit within six is a one, the Battleshock must be re-rolled. Pretty much the same there. Yep. Quicksilver speed, you can roll 2d6 instead of d6 when you make a run roll. Awesome. You can still run and charge. Boom. Nice. Very it,
1: fast. Yeah, man. If- now, it's important to remember with this, if you spend a command point to modify the run roll, it's still a 6. It's not a 12. Correct. Yep.
0: Because it specifically states that it's 6. Yep. Yes. Maximum 6. And then Soul Hunters, if any enemy models were slain by wounds inflicted by this unit's attacks in the combat phase, add one to the attack characteristics of this unit's melee weapons in the following combat phase. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there's, an ab- there's an abundance
1: of Rend 1 in this army, which is nice. Yep. yep. It's reliable. It's consistent.
0: Yeah, and you're talking five for 150 points. It costs six depravity points to get five of them. Yeah, Seekers are something nice to have around. It's something nice definitely to have in your summoning pool And when you have that little stack of models over there and to consider them based on the circumstances that you might want to use them for. <clears throat> for example, if you got a hero deep in the enemy territory or something, summoning five Seekers in there could be a real problem. They make a great screen
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they can go really far... Mm. And you can set different lines to kind of funnel your opponent into different Cut spaces. Cut angles with. or
0: create angles and things. Yep. Sure, that makes sense. All right. Hellstriders now. Yeah, so
1: there's two of them. You have the Hellstriders with Claw Spears and the Hellstriders with Hell Scourges. So the Claw Spears first are 14 inch move, same as your Seekers. Four up save, bravery six, two wounds. The Claw Spears have two profiles. The Riders have the Claw Spear. 1-inch range, 1 attack, 3s by 4s, rend 1, damage 1. And the mount, the poison tongue, 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 3s by 4s, no rend, damage 1. Same as all of the other Seekers in this game. The Hell Reaver Champion gets plus 1 attack on the Claw Spear. The Standard Bearer is 1 in every 5 models. You have to pick between the Banner Bearer, which lets you reroll charge rolls, or the Icon Bearer, which is adding 2 to the Bravery characteristic, which you need at Bravery 6. Yeah, the horn blower forces rerolls of enemy battle shocks. The hellstriders with claw spears specifically have uh, piercing strike, which is adding one to the damage characteristics on the claw spear if it charged. There the hellstriders go. are with the hell scourges are exactly the same, except you replace the claw spear with the hell scourge, mm-hmm. which is a three-inch range attack. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. Two attacks, threes by fours. No run though, but you get the ability hook tendrils. Where if you made a charge move in the same turn, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target this unit while they were within three inches until the end of that phase.
0: Which is to your point about this army being about debuffing other people. Yes.
1: Yeah. You want to make your opponent less effective so that, you know, you can do your thing on your schedule. Mm-hmm. If you let them do their thing on their schedule, you are going to lose a lot of games often. Okay. Nice. So, into the mortals. Even though the Hellstriders <laughs> are technically mortals, they live in the demon section yes, of the
0: book. Do. Why? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, that works. Let's talk about these guys. They're nice. This is the Bliss Barb Seekers. These, these are, are the, the archer yeah, mortals. These are the shooty Bliss Barbs. And they're 14-inch move, 4 wounds, 5 up save, 6 bravery. They have the bows, which are 18 inches, 3 attacks, 4 by fours, uh, minus 1 ren, 1 damage. And they also have a sibrite Blade and the Poison Tongue. We know how that works. The sibrite Blade is one attack, four by fours, no rend, one damage. And the High Tempter gets one attack with their bow. So they're four attacks. Yep. Nice. And this unit can run and still shoot pistoliers with bows. <laughs> okay. We have Vectors of Agony. And this is where on the wound rolls... Right, Wound rolls of six, you get one mortal wound attack sequence ends. So you have a unit of five of these. You're getting 15 attacks. You're getting two or three mortals on average out of those five just to start. Sure. But this, you're getting 50% of 50%. So you're getting 25% out of these guys. So really, to me, this unit is not somebody who you might be able to pick off a hero, maybe. With that, especially if you get lucky on the mortals, I think the real thing here is depravity points for this, because you're going to be knocking off two or three models on average. You know, with four by fours, you get the other ten attacks, whatever it is. You might do four or five damage. You might be able to take off four or five models if you if you get some good dice rolling. Is that going to kill a unit? Most of the time, not. But it does give you a depravity point, and it can pick off characters too. And they got four wounds. A unit of five has 20 wounds. They're 180 points, though. They are. This is one of those, you know, you talked about points earlier. This is one of those units that you hope, if and when there's an adjustment made, that they decrease the points on these guys, like, to 150 or something. Yeah, they're just a little points heavy. Uh-huh. I
1: like. I get the ratio is decent, right, where it's still under 10 points a wound. Uh-huh. But, Dan, I... I know. This is tough. It's a tough sell. Especially when you compare them to the other shooting unit in the book, which you know, we'll talk about in a little bit, which is the archers on foot yep. at 160 points, which is still steep for them, right? And their points ratio isn't great on the other side, but they get more attacks and they're more reliable in terms of the overall damage output. That's true. So I think this is a good time to talk about them then.
0: let's go to the Bliss Barb Archers then.
1: So for 160 points, you get 11 models. Mm -hmm. A weird number, but, you know, stay with me. six-inch move, six-up save, bravery six, one wound, right? Individually, they are worse in that regards. Their bow is the same, except it's two attacks instead of three. So you're getting 23 attacks out of this unit, though. No, because one of the 11 is a homunculus, and the homunculus does not have a bow. So you're getting 21. You're getting 21. Okay, so it versus 15 for the other guys. Mm-hmm. And the homunculus adds one to the wound rolls for attacks made by the unit. Okay. So, so their bow is actually fours by threes. Okay. They don't have the mortal wound portion of it, mm-hmm. but you're getting higher volume at a lower cost and a unit
0: that can still run and shoot. And it's more reliable attack because you're four by threes with that adding Wonder Woman rolls.
1: Yeah. Now you're giving up quite a bit of mobility, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for mobile units, we just talked about them. They're called Seekers. This is a unit that to me is that they're like, there is value. It's there. I just don't think it's there at the points level. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree. You're talking about the Seekers. The Seekers. The Bliss Seekers. seekers. Yes. Agreed. I agree, Brendan. On the other hand, though. Oh, these guys. Oh, these Slick Blades are so... Brendan, the potential is so good for these guys. I still think that these are a little bit points heavy at 200 for five they are quite good their potential and we'll talk about some of the ways that they can really just rip it they really do good job yeah these probably belong in that 180 range mm-hmm.
1: 14 inch move five up save bravery six four wounds same thing yep so the low bravery scares me and especially when you're paying 200 points for the five of them mm.
0: that feels wrong It feels bad. It's almost like you have to keep a mounted hero close to them, so you can keep that command point handy in case you need to throw it out there.
1: Or Uh Glutose in battle round three, where you're not having to take, you know, Battle Shock. Sure. So they have the Glaive, which is a two-inch range attack, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one, pretty good. And then the Poison Tongue. Two attacks, threes by threes, no rend, damage one. Uh, An important thing to note, though, is that the Seekers that the mortals ride are actually exalted Steeds. They are different Steeds than the Steeds that other models ride in other places. So that's why you can have both of those in the same place. They're like giant
0: Seekers. They are, exactly, yes.
1: They're ginormous Seekers. Uh, The champion gets plus one attack to his Glaive. Good. Uh, They can reroll charge rolls. You know, your movement 14, you're going to be getting places. They can't run in charge, but re-rolling charge rolls is pretty good.
0: And when we get to one of the battalions, re-rolling the
1: charge roll may not even matter. So we'll talk about that then. Yeah. Their special rule that they get is decapitating strike. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with a glaive is a six, it inflicts a mortal wound in addition to any normal damage. Which is really nice instead of stopping the sequence. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which you would have kind of assumed was going to be the case since it was all damage one, but... An extra is welcome and quite nice. Yeah. This is a unit I really like. I still think you can and should run it at the points level it is, but it's not. It's not where it's supposed to be, unless there's something in AOS 3.0 that we just aren't cognizant of, and then maybe it'll make sense, right? Yeah. But it, present state, present time. Mm, yeah. Eh. Okay. Do you want to talk
0: about Twin Souls or Painbringers, Dan? I'll talk about the Painbringers. Okay. Because I have some opinions. <laughs> the Painbringers are the big armored guys. Big tough. Something that Slanesh has certainly needed is a tough stand-up-and-fight type of unit. Not fragile at all. So it's 6-inch move, 2 wounds, 4-up save, 7 bravery. The Wicked Scimitar is the weapon. 2 attacks, 3-up, three 3-up, three minus 1, 1 damage. It's very respectable. The Painmaster adds 1 to the attacks. So a unit of five. I believe they come in units of five. They would have 11 attacks. Dance of the Wailing Blade. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with this melee weapon is a six, that attack inflicts one mortal wound on the target. In addition to anything else, remembering that their attacks also explode. potentially explode. You know, yes. Potentially explode. Now the Painbringer shields, you can reroll save rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target this unit. Okay. So now that four up mathematically becomes a three up and these guys become essentially a three up these guys become even tougher Uh, so this is a tough unit i mean think about this book and how many units have in effect a three up save not a whole lot this army has never been known for its toughness (laughs) no certainly not
1: and they become battle line if your general is a Lord of Pain. Sure. Which is...
0: Okay. Yeah. They're battle line if. Because you only have one battle line in this book. One pure battle line.
1: Yes. That's it. It's a demonettes. Yeah. And then the rest of your battle line ifs are archers, your hell striders of both varieties. Mm-hmm. You know, battle line if based on heroes for the Myrmidons, the Twin Souls. Battle line if as the um, Godseeker chariots in Godseekers. Okay.
0: Now... I want to talk about the points for these guys, Brendan, is what, one fifty? One fifty. One fifty for 5 And I know a lot of other people have talked about this, but I just want to add my two cents with it because I think, you know, we just played uh, two games ago. You brought that... Chaos just Warriors. Just that dirty... Yeah, that's stupid Knights of the Empty Throne But list. for some reason, I kind of looked at... You had Chaos Warriors on both sides. Two units of five, yeah. Yeah. And... It made me think about, because I'd already read kind of through the book, about what I would do if I had to make a choice. And you can make a choice because you can make Chaos Warriors, Sonesh, give them Marcus Slanesh, bring them into this book and into this army. Would I take Painbringers or would I take? Warriors. Warriors, okay? And I was thinking like, okay, we're talking points here. And just what's more effective for the points. And if you're talking competitive lists, if you want to, you know, really get the most out of your points. I could take 10 of these guys for 300 300 points. Yep. But I could also take 10 Chaos Warriors and a Chaos Sorcerer for 310 points. That Chaos Sorcerer, number one, would give me re-rolling saves. And he would give me... The spell is re-roll hits and wounds. Reroll hits and wounds. Thank you, yeah. Again, mathematically, that's an improvement of plus one, but... I just think for the points, I would have a hard time justifying taking 10 of these, or yeah, 10 of these. Five of these, yeah. 10 of these versus 10 Chaos Warriors and a Sorcerer. And you get more utility out of the Sorcerer as well. You've you got a Sorcerer, you've got a Spellcaster there. And thinking about the fact that those Chaos Warriors also could have a five up after save with their shields, a yep. mortal, mortal wound save, boy. I don't know, Brendan. I think it's tough to justify these guys. As cool as they are, the models are awesome. They're a great addition to the book, but... Cool models. They do cool things. 150 points is a steep
1: price. The thing that jumps out to me about them is a lot of this stuff that we're looking at here that's new Mm -hmm. reminds me of when the Vanguard Chamber of when Stormcast Mm -hmm. came out. Mm -hmm. Where everyone looked at them and they're like, yeah, this is neat. But, like, how do I justify taking a lot of this stuff over yeah. other options I have available to myself. Sure. You know, like if you want to run Painbringers, cool, more power to you. Yeah. It's a cool War Scroll. It does cool things. Absolutely. I think there's just better options available to you. Yes. I agree. If I had to pick, you know, Painbringers are probably a unit that should be about 130 to 120 points. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a, a good place for it where, you know, they are objectively better than five Chaos Warriors. Mm-hmm. You know, Chaos Warriors are 90 points right now. Forty points more. Okay, yeah, I could see that. The one thing that they have is nice is that you know they re-roll the save rolls for attacks base. Mm-hmm. You have to buy ten chaos warriors in order to gain that ability. Yes. Fine. Okay. They have rend. Cool. They do mortal wounds. Cool. But is that a sixty point increase? Yeah. I just don't think so. Like yeah. when you look at the other things that you can be doing. I don't know. You could have twenty Marauders, yeah, for yeah. forty points less, thirty points less. Yeah, I'll do that. Thank you. Yeah. So disappointing. Yeah, it is. The Twin Souls. Yeah, we'll
0: talk about those a little bit, and then. Talk, I have a,
1: speaking of disappointing, I have a, uh One hundred and seventy points for five eight inch move, 4-up save, bravery seven, two wounds. Their merciless blades attack is range two, which is nice. Three attacks, fours by threes, no rend damage two. Their unit champion is plus one attack, so they are four attacks instead of three. And then at the start of your hero phase, you must pick one of the following abilities to apply to this unit until your next hero phase. You must pick a different ability in each battle round. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So you have to alternate. The first of them is Ego Driven Excess. You can reroll hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by this unit. Mm -hmm. The next one is Fiendish Reflexes. Roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to this unit. On a five up, that wound or mortal wound is negated. Yep cool, man, I'll take 10 Chaos Warriors <laughs> yeah. and be
0: 10 points more. You know, the the one thing that I wish they had done here is because you have to pick one of these, and then whatever you pick, that sequence is locked in. Mm-hmm. This should be situational. You should have the option every turn of being able to choose what these guys do. This should be like Necropolis Stalkers. <clears throat> yes, Where you get, what, four? You have four different stances or whatever it is? Sure. Even if it's just these two stances. Oh, yeah. Maybe you want to go defensive early in the game or you want to be more offensive early in the game, defensive later. Then you could choose that. It just doesn't make any sense to me that it would be alternating. It just doesn't. I don't get that. Yeah. It's very non-intuitive. The only thing, if I'm going to go with my... And again, I'm trying to picture it on the board. If I'm going to go with my 10 Chaos Warriors, because these guys have a two-inch range... You know, I might put a unit of five of these guys behind the Chaos Warriors. Chaos Warriors attack, get 20 attacks. These guys get another 15 attacks behind that. Yeah, I don't know. Might be kind of cool to layer them like that. But it's still 170 points per night. I could bring another 10 Chaos Warriors almost for that cost. Yeah, and Chaos Warriors aren't even
1: the best unit you can take no. for 180 points. No. They're cool models. I mm-hmm. don't like the heads of the Twin Souls, but... Like collectively the Painbringers and the Twin Souls are are cool models but Twin Souls should be, you know, 150 points, Damn.
0: 140 points. Yep. 170. Get out of here. Yeah, you just wonder with a few of these units and it's these last four that we talked about the seekers, the two different kinds of seekers, these guys, these ground troops. You wonder what they were thinking when they came up with these point values. You Speaking really of things that I question, yes. the Slangor Fiendbloods oh, okay, coming no, up next no, year. Okay, we got those coming up. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother conversation.
1: <laughs> I am mystified. At, like, where we were talking about Morgweth last week because, you know, how on earth can you justify this less expensive unit that does the same thing as something else? Yeah. I did not think it was possible to make worse (laughs) bulgores. But here we are. We did it. Congratulations, guys. Amazing. So oh, it's true. not only do Slangor Fiendbloods have the Slanesh and Hedonite keyword, they have Beasts of Chaos. Uh, so you can take them in your Beasts of Chaos army for some unknowable reason. 8-inch move, 5-up save, Bravery 6, 3 wounds, classic Beasts of Chaos profile, extra bit of move for being Slanesh. Cool, I like it, good start. 140 points, and you're like, alright, you know, we'll see where this goes. Each of them have 2 attacks. 2-inch range, or sorry, the champion has 2 different weapon profiles. The regular guys only have razor-sharp claws. Champion has those in the gilded weapon, so the razor-sharp claws is 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. Garbage. When you could have bulgors who are damage 2 base. Yes. The gilded weapon, which the champion has, 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. Fine. Cool, your champion does something neat, as it should. But Brendan... You get plus one attacks characteristics when it makes a charge move in the same turn. Neat. Cool. Fine. It doesn't fix the fact that it's only damage one and you could just take bulgors. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you get obsessive violence, assuming that your models survive, which they won't. At the end of the combat phase, pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit and roll a dice for each model in this unit, your unit that you're rolling for. So Mm -hmm. three models at 140 points, six models at 280. For each four up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. It's not the number of dice in your opponent's unit. It's yours. Get out of here. Like, this is, we try not to be super negative on this show about things. But, like, what are you doing? Like, it's just, put the Minotaur profile in here. Yeah. Make it movement eight and give them, you know, one of these rules and make them
0: 160 points. Ta-da, we did it. Fixed. I'll give my bull Marcus Lanesh and they will be better in this army. Yeah. You Yes, you are better off buying the battalion, paying to defray the cost
1: of the battalion yes. across, you know, all the different units that you have to purchase than buying
0: fiend bloods. Yes. Sad. It's really <laughs> annoying. A Little bit of sadness, yeah. Let's move on and talk about the dread pageant. The dread pageant's all right. Yeah. Which hmm. is our it's
1: not as good as Morgoweth, but, no, you know, no. not everything is going to be as good as Morgoweth. The Dread Pageant is 120 points, mm-hmm. which, you know, reasonable. Four models. Four models, six-inch move, five-up save, bravery seven, one wound each. But it's really only one wound each on two of them, and it's three wounds each on the other two. Mm-hmm. So it is a eight-wound unit for, you know, 120 points. You have one archer in there who has just the plain old archer attacks, 8 inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, rend one, damage one. Yep. Then your fiend blood, which if this was the profile for fiend bloods, would have been Ugh, pretty fine. Yeah, wouldn't
0: that be nice? One inch range, four attacks, fours by threes, rend two, damage two. That's what it should have been for those models. Yep. And there shouldn't be any issues because when you think about it, they've got claws and a gilded weapon. This has claws and a gilded weapon. <laughs> This is, like, some halfway between
1: regular model and a champion because, yeah. you know, he had, like, I don't know. It just... Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. You need to move on. One of them has the <laughs> Slickblade Glaive. That's one-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, nice. All right. The Dread Harpoon, which is carried by the champion, who is also three wounds, is 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 2s by 3s, rend 1, D3 damage. Okay. Good. Yeah. When you allocate wounds or mortal wounds to the champion, a 4-up, it's negated. Pretty all right. And if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by this unit is a 6, the attack inflicts 1 mortal wound in addition to any normal damage, and it also means that the attack explodes so mm-hmm. that attack does a mortal wound, is two hits, and you keep rolling.
0: And in terms of melee, they got 11 attacks already. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to probably get a couple explosions, a couple of mortal wounds. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. For 120 points, this is a unit that you could use for something, some kind of surgical... Tactical uh, strike. Yeah, whatever it is, but have a purpose for them, and they could. I think they could fulfill it, depending on what it was. I like the Dread Pageant more than I
1: like a lot of different Warcry warbands oh, yeah. in the game. Yeah. This is two books in a row, right?
0: Where we're looking at it and we say, let's talk about this Sure. instead of just saying it's there. Because <laughs> that's what we've done. You're right. I,
1: I hope that's the direction they stay in. Yep. Uh, that's a nice change. You know, it gives you a reason to buy cool models and paint them up and mm-hmm. spend some time on them. And you can use them in a regular game and not feel like a total idiot yep. uh, using them. Agreed. So then we've got three endless spells here to talk about, Dan. We do? Which
0: one do you want to start with? Why don't you start with wheels? Okay. And then I'll do mirror, and you can finish this up with visage. Sure.
1: So the wheels are kind of neat. It's a predatory endless spell. When you set it up, you know, it can move 12 inches. It flies. You set it up wholly within 6 inches of the caster, and it casts on a 6. The way that it works is after it's move, you roll six dice for each unit that has any models that it moved across. The unit suffers one mortal wound for each roll that is less than the unit's unmodified save characteristic. This ability has no effect on Sinesh units. Okay. So you want to throw this into things that have bad armor saves, and you'll do some mortal wounds to them. Kind of situational, right? Because, you know, it's only six dice. Mm -hmm. You know, and I guess it'd be really effective against low save Heroes:
0: It's a 50 point,: yeah,
1: like yeah. you can very reliably get the cost back on it against you know something like goblins. Yeah. you know you've
0: got a 50 50 shot against four up save things eh,
1: it's okay,
2: mm-hmm.
0: All right, so let's talk about the mirror. I like um, the mirror. Mesmerite, yeah, I do too. This is a cool special rule here. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to see something so different. You summon it. It's a predatory spell. can move six inches. And you can summon it up to 18 inches, with it, wholly within 18 inches of the caster on a six, which is a nice range. I mean, that's 24-inch range when you consider mm-hmm. the movement. That's very nice range for an endless spell. If a unit makes a normal move within 12 inches of this model, it suffers D3 mortal wounds unless it finishes that move closer to this model than it was before it made the move. This ability has no effect on slash units, but the gaze is the really fun one. Yeah. After this model is set up and after this model has moved, roll six dice for each hero within six inches of this model. For each six, the hero suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to that number of sixes that were rolled for that hero. So, for example, if you roll one six... It does one, one times one. You're basically squaring the number, whatever it is. If you roll two sixes, it's two times two, it's four. You roll three sixes, it's nine mortal wounds. I mean, I just love that. It again, it's very swingy. But man, you roll three sixes, and you're gonna be like, yes, there's just awesome. There's gonna be
1: one time, like <laughs> if you're a dedicated slanesh player, right? Yes. There's gonna be one time where you cast it and you cast it against. Some big, huge, stupid, scary, you know, maw crusher kind of thing, yeah, sure, sure. And you're gonna roll four sixes, not unreasonable. I've rolled six out of ten sixes once on Curse of Years.
0: Oh, yeah, you're gonna
1: roll four out of six sixes, (laughs) and you're gonna do 16 mortal wounds to that maw crusher. And your opponent's gonna look at you and go, He's dead, and you go, Yeah,
2: yeah, (laughs) that's
1: great. Huge upside it creates board control in terms of uh, mm-hmm. overall where things move your opponent's going to want to move away from it d3 mortal wounds isn't too big of a deal
0: yeah i love the mirror i think it's worth it it's 60 points so it's a little pricey but hey i think you can get your money's worth out of it yeah for sure so it, what about the visage yes That's so the the... yeah so the visage is an interesting
1: one I think the mirror is the best of the three, but the, the visage, I think, has a home if you've got, you know, some extra points laying around, sure. Predatory spell, can move up to eight and flies. Cast on a seven, so it's a bit of a higher caster. Set it up wholly within 12 inches. When you set it up, you can make a move with it. After it's moved, roll six dice for the closest unit within six inches of it. If more than one unit is equally close, pick which unit to roll the six dice for. That unit suffers one mortal wound for each roll of a four-plus. Subtract one from the bravery characteristics of units that are within 12 inch of this model and add one to bravery characteristics of slash units while they're within 12 inches of this model instead of subtracting one. It's okay. There's really kind of a limited value in it versus something like the mirror, but that's, you know, reflected in the points for it. 40 forward. points, I think. Right. It's 40 points. The wheel is 50. The mesmerizing mirror is 60. If you only have 40 points sitting around and, you know, you don't think that maybe a triumph is going to be as useful, this isn't a terrible investment. That's one of the really nice things about endless spells is it allows you to shore up sure. some of those extra spaces. But between this and a triumph, probably go for the triumph. Extra bravery for your smash stuff isn't a terrible, no. terrible get. So, last up, battalions. And, that's
0: right. Yes. And we're going to talk about the big one this time. Yes. And as you look at it, right away you can see why this is possible because you only need a minimum of one of diff- three different small battalions instead mm-hmm. of needing two of this and six of that and four of that and three of that where it's almost impossible otherwise. So you need one supreme sibrites, one to three epicurean revelers, one to three seeker advocates. The yep. benefit for this beast is add one to the bravery characteristics of units from this battalion you had just talked about the value of bravery in this army in addition if this battalion is part of your army at the start of your hero phase you receive d3 depravity points that's the start of every one of your hero phases yeah okay fair enough it could make the difference between summoning something and not you're not going to be able to bring as many units
2: Mm -hmm.
1: plain point of fact that is what it is Getting D3 extra depravity points helps you offset the lack of units you're going to have on the board. Sure. And you're going to have four command points at a minimum, so... That's pretty Congrats. good. Yeah. <laughs> this is where you get to play pretenders. Sure. Okay. So, six Uh-oh. battalions. Yep. And I will say, though, the thing that's really disappointing is that the super mega battalion, there isn't a version for the three new battalions. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The fact that it only includes the three... From the old book, yes, is a little disappointing because those are primarily just demons. Yeah, I feel like there should have been a mega battalion for the mortals in that sure. case as well. Makes sense, but yeah. you know I'm a picky guy. Where do you want to start, Dan? I just want to do secret cavalcade. Okay, so you can start with the other two. Once you do the other two, all right. I'll start with the supreme cyberites then. Uh, so this is a battalion with three to six slanesh heroes keyworded. They don't have to be Knights, so you can bring things in that have the mark from other books, Beasts of Chaos and Slaves of Darkness. Mm-hmm. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice. If the roll is equal to or less than the number of heroes from this battalion that are on the battlefield, you receive one command point. So this is why the Pretenders one in this is... Pretty garbage because you can only have one hero. Narratively, yes. it makes sense. You know, the pretenders aren't going to have other heroes that they're going to hang around with. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. know, okay. this is a good battalion, though. It's already doing something that you're going to be doing. You're going to be bringing a number of heroes, anyways. If you happen to have the points to want to bring it, cool. This is a this is another good way to start generating. Command points in and
0: in an Invaders army specifically. You you're going to pay for it if you maintain enough heroes on the board. Right. You're going to, and you get and you get the dice rolls. You're going to pay for it in three turns. You get getting one command point. It's 150 points for this battalion. Well, you yeah. get a command point with it, right? right? So that's 50 points
1: right there. Right. And you, you only you need only two, need turns. two yep. to you're get right. your effective value. Okay. Uh, out of it, you know, cuz assuming that command points are valued at 50 points because you can purchase them for right. that amount and you get another artifact. This is a good battalion, good cost, still very useful. The Epicurean Revelers is 2 to 6 units of Daemonettes, uh, not keyworded, so it does have to be the foot Daemonettes and 0 to 4 Healthlayers Exalted Chariots or units of Fiends in any combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of these can be the hero variety. Perfect destroyers. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with a melee weapon by a daemonette from this battalion is 6, that attack inflicts one mortal wound on the target, and the attack sequence ends. Do not make a save roll. That one is keyworded daemonette, and obviously your regular daemonettes get that. But the thing that also has the daemonettes is the chariots. I don't know why fiends are included in this. Yeah, this is kind of (laughs) weird. I do not understand it. But uh, for the other units... Yeah, of course. You know, cool, this is, you're exploding sixes to hit, hopefully you're carrying over a number of attacks into your wound roll, mm-hmm. and you're going to do a number of mortal wounds in the wound phase. Sure. And hopefully your opponent doesn't have a mortal wound save against that. Makes and, sense. you know, it's neat. This is really good on the chariots, though. I can imagine, yeah. Because it's all of the melee weapons on the chariot. Yeah,
0: that's a lot of attacks we've talked about.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't take regular Seeker Chariots with it, uh, because then I would say that this is a must-have in a Godseeker's army, because that's where all your battle line is coming from, and you just, you know, pack it all in and go nuts. But, you know, just regular Exalted Chariots are going to do a a number of depravity points for you. Mm -hmm. This is one that I think makes sense for a lot of armies.
0: So we have the Seeker Cavalcade, which surprisingly is made up of Seekers. No! And not Keepers. Oh, no, Dan. (laughs) The first choice is two to six units of Seekers, Bliss Barb Seekers, Slick Blade Seekers, or Hellstriders in any combination. And then zero to four of Seeker Chariots. So here you get your secret Chariots here. Mm -hmm. Units from this battalion are eligible to fight in the combat phase if they are within six inches of an enemy unit instead of three and they can move an extra six three when they pile in so this means brendan to me i'm picturing this if we talked about the slick blades and how they're a pretty decent unit yeah they got decent movement 14 so you're moving them 20 inches already yep if they get within six inches of an enemy unit they don't have to charge right They can just attack during the next... They'll just take the six-inch pile. Yeah, they can take that six-inch pile. And so that's pretty good. So if somebody's within 20... Their range, effective range, is 26 inches when you think about that. If you've got the command point to spend. Wow. And if you're invaders, you're going to have the command point probably. I would hope Uh, so. I mean, that's really powerful, Brendan. And secret Chariots, same way. You know, it's just... Man, it's really, really good in terms of making these Seekers and the units involved with them. Now, the Bliss Barbs, we talked about that. Eh, I don't know. Uh, Hellstriders, why not? You know, But any of these guys, you're not even going to have to charge to be able to use them. And that's really powerful, mm-hmm. uh, not to have to, to rely on a charge roll. I really like this one. It's only 140 points. Um, it's pretty reasonably costed. For the mobility and the Yeah, and, and you get things that you want, which is one of those things as we talk about
1: battalions. Battalions are great when you are already taking the units for some reason or another. Yes. And you get an extra rule to do to continue doing the thing that you want to do to lower your drops and make what you are already purchasing more effective. That and first sense. three battalions all make sense. Yeah. Boy, I hope it keeps up as we uh <clears throat> as we keep reading through these other battalions. <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> Which one do you want next, Dan? You choose. If you want to go first, I'll, I'll take any of them. doesn't matter. Okay. I'll do the Depraved Carnival. Well, these uh, first three were looking real good. Let's see if this fourth one is as well. Mm. Three Lords of Pain or Shard Speakers in any combination. That's a price tag. 450 points plus the Battalion. And three units of Blissbarb Archers. Doing the math, that's 540 more points. This is a 1,000 points, basically. For what?
0: Really? I mean, seriously.
1: Once per turn in your hero phase, you can pick one Bliss Barb Arch unit. One. That unit can shoot. One unit out of the three. Sure. And if you spend another, you know, 320 points on top of it to make one of the units a 30 brick. Brendan,
0: there's just no way. And and let's be honest with this. I mean, that is going to be almost three quarters of your points. Almost, right? If you spend (sighs) the 300 right on top, that's like 1,400 points. What else are you going to get in the army? For 600 points, honestly, what are you going to get in the army that's going to make that army viable for being able to win a game? You just take a bunch of marauders. (laughs) You could. Yeah? Yeah, I guess. You put a Lord of Pain or a Shard Speaker with them. Yeah, wonderful. You know, boo, woo hiss. It's 160. Well, we didn't add the cost of battalion, so that's 160 more. (laughs) It just seems like a lot, Brendan. A it, lot of it points is. for a minimal return because we've talked about the archers being kind of average in terms of being able to do damage for the points cost. Well, the I, I like the foot archers more than I like right. the mounted archers. But, yeah,
1: because you can still split up their fire and yeah, and and just chip that. off you know a wound or two from you know from a handful of different units and, and generate a bunch of points, which is good when you think about like the long term return sure. of what it is that each unit is generating to the army in terms of what it is you're going to be Agreed. summoning Agreed. and that's in line with what it is that you're doing with your army but a thousand points mm. give or take to shoot another time i'll just take another unit of bliss barb archers
0: mm-hmm. yeah like if that's where we are with this yeah and it's 480 points i was i was going at 180 piece mm. but it's still 480 points for three units of those yeah whoosh man craziness Okay. All right, do you want nobles or speed knights? I'll do speed knights. Okay.
1: So the nobles, whew, wow, we had a real stinker there, Dan. Let's <laughs> see what we got here. Nobles of excess is three to six units of painbringers or Siboresh twin souls in any combination. You can, another thousand point battalion. Uh, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by units from this battalion that made a charge move in the same turn. Brendan. Yes, Dan. Seriously?
0: Yeah. Hey, okay, it's fine. You know, you made a charge move, but they're slow to begin with. They're not units that you'll normally charge with. I, right? You might. You're not making contact with them until the
1: second battle round, typically. Okay. Which is fine. Yeah. I don't hate the trigger for it. Hmm. The thing that I hate, okay, is the units. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense. The combination of things there makes sense. But the points are wrong with the
0: units to begin with, which makes all of this feel silly. It's 600 points minimum for this. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. For it to take the three, it's 600 T- points. To take
1: 15 models, it's 600 points. Wow. And that's only if you're charging. You know, If your opponent is smart in that regards, then they're just going to charge you.
0: Let's go back. So I could take 15 models, or I could take... Let's think about this. I could take... 60 Chaos Warriors. Right? 100 points for 10? 90 points for 10. uh, No, it's 90 points for 5. For 5. Okay. So I could take 30 Chaos Warriors. Sure. 30 Chaos Warriors for this cost. Wow. 60 wounds. (laughs) Wow. But it's 30 Chaos. I mean, those are good solid units, especially if you do some things with them we talked about. Would I do that? Yeah. And you'd have points to spare because you'd be getting a horde bonus. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway.
2: (sighs) Okay, and
0: even if you go the other way with the twin
1: souls, yeah, it's 170 points per.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so three of those units is 500 and Ten. Yeah. it's 650 for this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 650. Brendan, yeah, I, I, no, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't buy it. I, I can't spend the money on this. Yeah, spend the I points. Can't, yeah, can't spend the points. You just
1: can't. Yeah. yeah, it's the mortal side of this is consistently where i'm let down it's like, a concern like in it's isolation right so right they did nail it with Glutose and sigvald though i think oh, and God, yes. it's just the units are
0: and the slick blades too i think are are reasonable they're in there mm-hmm. they're in the so, winter side of the column so talk about slick blades because this is a battalion that lets okay. you take them okay so this is exalted speed knights you have to take two to three bliss barb seekers two to three slick barb slick blade sli- seekers and two to three units of seekers not keepers. Okay. <laughs> After the armies are set up before the first battle round begins, up to D6 units from this battalion can move up to 6 inches. Okay. Now this is me. This is mid-tier player, not understanding maybe the big picture or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's swingy as hell. Am I going to want to spend the money to bring these guys because when I think about the minimum here, it's a huge amount of money. A huge amount points, of points. Yeah. When I say money, I mean points. It's another 120 for the battalion for a die roll that could be a one i will have spent all this and i could still only move them one inch Mm. wow i I guess if you if you're rolling in on average Brendan, you're only going to roll three on average sure is it worth 120 points is it really worth that i I don't know i think here's the extra kicker in this one this
1: same unit so, like, you know, you can say there on one side, oh, well, if you do this to, you bring this battalion to reduce the drops, and you get this yes. extra roll, and you get an yeah, extra yeah, command yeah. point, and you get an extra artifact, and you go, okay, neat. Seeker Cavalcade lets you run this exact same combination of mm-hmm. things, and Seeker
0: Cavalcade is an objectively better rule. First of all, it's because it's the entire, the entire game you get that benefit from Seeker Cavalcade. Correct. Yeah. And a six-inch
1: reposition on units that move 14 inches seems weird. Uh, rather than six-inch pylons. Yeah. And the extra benefit of Seeker Cavalcade is you are not locked in to potentially taking a number of units which Mm. you might not even want. If you're running a list where... You don't want to take two units of Bliss Barb Seekers. Maybe you've taken one unit. You take Seeker Cavalcade. Because I guarantee you hit the two to six units of Seekers, Bliss Barb Seekers or Slick Blade Seekers, in any combination. Because, you know, you're going to be running a unit of Slick Blades anyways. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Requirement
0: yeah. met. The other thing is this, the Cavalcade, it improves the performance of all those units in the battalion for the entire game. This does nothing to improve the performance, the speed knights. hmm of the units it does nothing it just repositions them and then that's it Yep. you get no other improvement like let's look at all these other ones you can pick one and have it re, you know shoot twice you can reroll wound rolls you can get command points you get those things are all additive to the units in the battalion this doesn't give you anything that adds to the value of those units in terms of gameplay right And you could talk about it
1: as, you know, you get the six-inch move to zone things out or, you know, provide additional spacing, something like that. But you can also do that same thing with uh, allying in units of untamed beasts, which cost less. (laughs) You could buy two units of untamed beasts effectively and do that same screen move (laughs) or one unit and, you know, make it double-sized. The mortal battalions don't make a ton of sense to me. (sighs) I think the Seeker Cavalcade is the standout for sure, for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. Yeah, I like Sybarites. I like the Epicurean Revelers. Yeah, You can run the Super Mega Battalion, which is neat. Props to you if you want to run it. I think you're fighting with one hand behind your back. Yeah. But you know what? You can be a one-drop, and that that's worth a lot of points in and of itself sure. in a lot of situations. Yeah. So, Dan, thoughts on the book? I know I'm of the mind where this is... Not the worst book we've ever reviewed. not at all. It's not
0: the best. I have very mixed feelings about this book Mm -hmm. because I see some of the things they brought to the table. I see some changes that they've made that to me make this army more interesting. It really does. It makes me want to consider playing it just because of how the rules have changed and some of the things that I wouldn't have looked at before in terms of what this book has in it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have. I would have been like, "Okay, fine. This is what I take, and it's the same all the time." And there's a lot of new stuff, so that's encouraging. That is really great. The problem is, and it's. I think in terms of balancing, you know, whether I would be interested in building this army or not, I'd say that the the disappointments are a lot less. The new things that have come out and the things I like about the book because there's a lot of really fun stuff. We didn't even talk about Wrath of the Everchosen. You know, we've got those hosts within hosts that can add value yes. to the units here. So that's positive. That's great that you can do that because when the last book came out, we didn't have Wrath then, did we? No, did Ra- we? Wrath of the Chosen yeah. wasn't out yet. All right. So you didn't have that additive bonus as well. And so I think one of the things as I look at, even with some of the, you know, we, we kind of got on the downside a little bit. Again, there's a lot of options. You've got s- slaves. You can bring stuff in to improve the overall quality in terms of. Wrath, you can bring stuff in. The issue is, I think, for a lot of people, especially people who played it before, they wanted a self-contained army. They wanted a Slanesh army that was great. And they wanted a set of rules for just Slanesh without all these other outliers that were great. And if that's what you want, then I think you're gonna be disappointed. But if you look if you look at this from a brand new perspective, just like from a clean slate type of thing, I think this is something of interest and that people should consider. I really do because there's a lot of fun stuff in here that you can really just make stuff crazy by adding buffs and doing some different combinations and things like that. It still be a really good army on the table. So those are my thoughts about it. Obviously,
1: Dan, you and I look at you know the same object from different perspectives uh-huh. pretty consistently. Part of what makes the, the Battle Tome reviews, I think, compelling. You know, <laughs> I'll I'll speak for myself in that regards. You know, the rest of you can decide on your own. I approach this from a competitive mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, how, as a player, what do I have to be worried about playing against them? As a potential player, how would I build these lists to be successful? Perhaps I am of too small a mind, but I do not see a list in this battle tome that is going to win five games. I think consistently, this is just in the context of 1v1 games. I think you are too consistently going to find yourself outclassed in the combat phase dominated in the magic phase shot off the board in the shooting phase by the mm-hmm. things that live in that echelon of excellence. You know, mm-hmm. I think about that daughter's list that I just kind of wrote <laughs> off the cuff to, to play against you, Dan. I don't see a slanesh list that I don't think I can't handle. Oh no. <sighs> Count. The mortals, I think, really are going to require you know glucose to be in and around to hand out the immune to battle shock buff over an AOE is pretty good, mm-hmm. or Seleski in an Invaders list, or you know perhaps both mm-hmm. to hand out big no battle shock bubbles. You need a lot of different units to hand out debuffs, which means that mm. you're going to be kind of thin on bodies, but you need to be generating depravity points, but you need to be staying at an arm's length. <laughs> There are ways to win with this, absolutely, but this is also a book that you need to be of a specific patience Mm -hmm. in order to to play it right because there are going to be games where just nothing goes right for you. Mm -hmm. You You are going to be playing against XYZ, whatever player that does not care that you are making them minus three to hit. You know, they have rerolls left, right, and center, or too many units, or they just ignore your modifiers, or they're able mm-hmm. to get hold of that character that's doing that to them. There's going to be times where your spells that hand out your minus to wound debuffs aren't going to go, because the wizard sitting on the other side of the table is, I don't know, techless, you know.
0: Um, <laughs> or Marathi.
1: Or, yeah. or or Marathi, or Croak, you know, yeah, these, sure. these super casters, and they're going to yeah. go, okay, neat, cool, whatever. Or your opponent is going to be some sort of ranged army that is just going to be able to pull out the important pieces, mm-hmm. and then that's it. They'll pick off the rest of your overpriced units at their leisure. Sure. Am I saying that there's no way to do this? No. But you do have a ceiling, I think is the warning I would give. This is not the book that we reviewed you know, nearly two years ago at this mm-hmm. point in time where everything was bonkers and nothing could kill any of your stuff and everything fought right. last. right. It's a book that requires patience. Mm-hmm. I can understand some of the frustration because, to your point, Dan, the self-contained armies that come out of this, I think the only one right now that really doesn't, that shares that kind of same home is
0: Korn. Corn needs help. It's just outside. And to your point, Brendan, I remember when uh, I was listening to a review of The Night Haunt in a book. And someone who was in the conversation was saying, well, you know, you could make these guys legion. You could put Nighthaunt and Legions of Nagash and whatever. And the other person came in and said, but then it's not a Nighthaunt list. You're playing it totally different. Right. If you want to play Nighthaunt, which is how we're talking about now, playing a Nighthaunt list, then that's different. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here.
1: Yeah. You know. Because, like, you look at in the context of chaos, right? Because that's the one Grand Alliance where you can pull things from other books very easily without having to do any sort of exchange in terms yeah. of like ally points or weird slots that you get you know you just mark things that way and you can uh-huh. pull them into your book Nurgle doesn't have to do it Zinch doesn't have to do it Corn doesn't have to do it Corn's not as winning as those other two right now but the Corn book is starting to show its age
2: uh-huh.
1: I mean you can't do it <laughs> that like that sucks at least in the Corn book you can say I get to run five Bloodthirsters. It's really neat. They're all in one battalion. It's cool. It does some stuff. I'll win three games. Right. Sure. You can win three games in the Heedon Knights book, but you're going to have to work for those wins in a lot of cases. sure. You're going to have to have a really well-designed list that you've played a lot with a specific plan and catch the right matchups and play the right missions. But I tried writing some lists for this conversation. I need to... Personally, play it to really get a feel for how they do or don't. Okay. So I felt that the lists I put together, I didn't have the appropriate context to say, you know, this makes sense, this didn't. I wish I had, you know, a, a more optimistic view sure. of this. I'm not as negative as I was two weeks ago, Yeah. but the more I read it, the more I feel that there is a threshold yeah. where this army is going to be held to. And maybe in 3.0, you know, this is something that talked about Offline and a little bit here on the air. Those books that came out just before 2.0, Nurgle, Legions, Daughters, Deepkin, Mm -hmm. all had rules and abilities that at the time you looked at and went, (laughs) uh, okay, cool. It's true. 2.0 comes out. It all makes sense. Maybe that is part of what this book is. Sure. Is it's just... We as observers are missing
0: a piece. The one thing that's encouraging me, to me, too, is that the AOS side of things, the community and GW and so forth seem to listen and they're willing to make changes that are reasonable. And so I'm hopeful that when 3O comes out, which will be soon, or even the General's Handbook when that comes out this summer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you may see some things that make choices that we're concerned about more viable sure and that'd be great i mean just being hopeful it may not happen either but it could and then it's going to totally change the way you look at this army and the way you play it and choices you make so yeah and that's hoping and that's great
1: and that's what we're rooting for i think using that as an excuse to justify the present state i think is no no and not at all and and i don't don't think you're doing that i'm not at all stating that opinion just kind of yeah. Blanket.
0: I'm trying to be hopeful for the people who decide to play Slanesh or those who always have and look at this book and are disappointed. Yeah. And so, you know things can happen. Things always happen in this game. I would love for everybody's book to
1: come out and be Daughters of Cain. Oh, yeah. If this is your first episode that you're listening to for us, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> go back to episode 68 and listen to all the exciting things that we have to say about that book. If everyone gets a book like Daughters of Cain and it comes out and we look at it and we go, there's a place for everything but you know, one or two units. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm happy to see him. Yeah. Uh, great. I would be thrilled if every time I walked into a tournament and there was... Ten Daughters of Kane players and there were like fundamentally eight different lists. Oh, that'd be so great. Oh awesome. I yeah. love it.
0: That's what I'd love to see. I would love that.
1: So Okay. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Maybe at some point we'll come back to this and we'll have some better thoughts. But okay. for today, I'll give it a five out of ten.
0: Okay. Fair enough. I've decided to introduce a rating scale into our <laughs> <laughs> randomly <laughs> in our our episodes. Okay. So that's it for He Knights of Slanesh*, folks. Um, we hope that was at least useful. We are going to move on. Yeah, maybe to... you don't feel so alone anymore. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long We're going to move on to scriptorium. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, we are back. We're going to talk about books and stuffs. Books and yeah, stuff. Yeah, this is exciting. So, new releases. There is a potload of stuff. We didn't talk about it last time, so I'm going to go through it as quickly as I can. We have Storm Vault, which is about, surprise, Stormcast Eternals. So, that sounds pretty interesting. There is a Warhammer horror anthology called The Hero Paths, which is, I believe, five or six horror. Horror stories from the world of 40k and the mortal realms. Then the three that I have, well, I purchased two because they didn't have the third one in the store, but the three that I'm the most interested in here (laughs) are Swords of Kalth, which is the new book uh, for the Ultramarines, which is great, Uriel Ventress. And then I did purchase both Pariah and Penitent, which are the first two books of the Elizabeth Bequin. Trilogy, and I'm anxious to get started on Pariah. Dragon Slayer, which is the fourth Gotrek and Felix book, is out on audio. That's neat. Uh, Hammers of Ulrich is also out that's an old world thing and it's basically about Templars or Templar type of knights from the old world there are some short stories that look really cool the first one is the bigger they are the harder they fall it's a Caiaphas Kane short story and I'm gonna read that because Kane is just amazing there's a Sisters of Death which is about Sisters of Battle there's another short story Perfect Assassin and speaking of Gotrek if you have read the Gotrek books in the Mortal Realms as he's come here he has been accompanied by an assassin the entire time. This is her story. This is a short story about her, which is really cool. And Warp Sphere is out. If you are a Blackstone Fortress person, there's a short story for you. And to finish up, there are a couple of Warhammer Adventure new books. So if you have young people who are interested in Warhammer, if you've already started reading these kind of books to your your kids or with your kids, there is Two Things, Fortress of Ghosts, which is on the Sigmar side, and there is Plague of the Nurglings on the 40k side. So, those two are out as well. So that's all the new stuff that has fallen and kind of hit during the black library time in March and February. So Brendan, what do you got for reads and watches and stuff? So I finished up American Prometheus.
1: So I finished up the biography of J. Robert Oppenheimer finished that up a couple days ago. Great. And audible was doing a two for one credit sale. So I got buried dagger and I started listening to that. Great. And I'm like four hours in on the time. I'm anxious hours.
0: to hear the next time what you think about
1: it. And I got another one, which uh, I'll not be discussing on the show as it is overtly political in nature. Okay. You know, I will be listening to that in the background. So great. That'll be something that's happening, but good. Really not appropriate for, okay. for what it is that we yeah. want to do here. So that's my reading listens, right? Okay. Quote sure. unquote. Man, watches. I restarted watching The IT Crowd, one of my favorite Netflix shows uh, ever. I probably watch it once a year or so. For those of you that don't know, it's a British humor television show about an IT department at a large corporation. They get into all sorts of hijinks, and it's dumb, and I love it. It, It's uncomplicated in its nature. (laughs) and That's funny. In some of the work I have done, I really relate to what it is, because part of a previous job I had is I ran IT operations. And some of the things that they come across, they go, the first time I watched it was in college. And I'm like, there's no way. Well, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I've been
0: on. Dan, what have you got? Well, in terms of watches, I... I'm kind of in the same place you are. We really haven't watched that much. I've been watching movies while I've been either elliptical or on a rowing machine. I finished the third Riddick movie, which is cool. And I just finished the second Dread movie, which was cool. I'm looking forward to... I just finished them both, so now I've got to find two more things to watch. Because I always watch movies now when I'm on exercising. Uh, The other thing that I really recommend for everybody is there is a guy on YouTube. His YouTube name is Sodaz. And it's all caps, S-O-D-A-Z. And he's made some just excellent fan short films. And the latest one that he has made is Death Corps of Krieg. And it is freaking insanely cool. It's got guard. It's got tanks. It's got cultists. It's got chaos space marines. It's so, got like, marines. what is it? It's a story about a very short story, five, ten minutes about... The so Creek. he makes them up like yeah. he's not
1: pulling from other. No,
0: he makes them up based on the lore. Mm-hmm. He's got one about I think it's the Imperial Fist fighting orcs. He's got another one with some Plague Marines in it. And it's just it is so good. But I would definitely it. So it's SODAS, Sodaz S O D A Z. I would look up his stuff. It's a great entertainment if you need just to take a break from something for five or ten minutes. Really good stuff. The latest one is Deathcore of Creek. In terms of listening. I finally finished the Prince Roger number three book and I started on number four because I want to finish that series. The story is just so good. And number three ended with a most depressing loss. It was terrible. Mm. And the character was affected, of course, much more than I was, but (laughs) somebody who was close to this person, but really it's totally unexpected, but it was great. and the story's wonderful. So I'm starting on number four. I'm about three or four hours into it. And I am still working on Gate of Bones, but I'm really close. I'm about three quarters of the way through that. It's so different than the first one in that series, in the Indomitus series. So I really would recommend that you try the books, the Dawn of Fire series. Really, really good. I just, I mean, there's everything in this one too. You got Primaris, you got Custodians, you got Knights, you got Chaos Sorcerers, you got... Iron Warriors, just everything all thrown in there. And this one is much more action-oriented. It's not setting up the story like the last one did. Uh, And then the other thing that I've got is Pariah, which is the first Elizabeth Beckwin book. That is next in the queue. So I'm assuming this week I'm going to finish one and start on that one. So that's it for me, buddy. Just a few. Okay, so let's move on to this or that.
1: Brendan, Dan, can I start this time? Yeah, you can start. Okay,
0: I had to change this first question.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, s- I saw you cross something out and
2: because
0: like... the first question was slangors or bulgors, and I know the answer already. Yeah. <laughs> so the next, this one is: if you're going to use your depravity points, sure, are you going to bring in a unit of three fiends or five seekers? Now it's two more points: six for one, eight for the other. Mm-hmm. Which would you think you'd spend your? eight depravity points on? I think
1: it'd be situational, right? So that's a real... Definite answer. (laughs) Yeah, real fence-sitting answer. In terms of the overall choice, I'm probably more likely to summon five Seekers. Mm -hmm. I think that they have a larger usage Mm flexibility-wise. But perhaps if I was playing somebody who had a lot of monsters,
0: that's when I would summon eight Fiends. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, three Fiends for eight points. Okay, next choice is hell or slick blades
1: i think the slick blades okay now they're like 50 ish points more yep but you get twice the number of wounds yes. almost mm-hmm. yeah, yeah exactly twice the number of wounds yep you have a higher damage output they are faster i
0: think that they are just objectively they're just not better. battle line that's you- it that's the difference. Fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll take a unit of demonets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. Then the last choice in this book is, are you going to take one or two seekers? Keepers. I mean keepers. And I did that on purpose just for you. <laughs> one or two keepers. I think in most
1: instances, I'd be looking to run two keepers. Uh, I can see value in running one. I think for me personally, I'm probably running invaders and I'm probably running two. Okay.
0: They can feed off of each other and yep. do those kind of things. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Now, the next two are totally weird out there. Oh, okay. okay. Sure. So, not t- the one isn't, but the one is. So, it's almost baseball season. Yes. Less than a month away. They are, opening day. They are in preseason games, yes. which is weird. Yeah. But it's nice to see. And are you going to follow, if you had to choose, the National or the American League? So, here's an embarrassing thing. Mm-hmm. I always forget who's in which one. Yeah, sure. The Brewers are in the National League, but
1: yeah, I believe the White Sox are in the National League. I think. <laughs> okay. So no, white, it's White Sox. Yes. Yes. The, I which like I follow the White Sox. I I don't, don't follow. I the don't know. <laughs> I don't know like okay. anything else. Okay. All
0: right. Cubs are National League. Cubs are National. So the White Sox are American, American League. Yes. Okay. So you're going to take American League then. Yes. To follow the. That sucks. Okay. So you're going, you've been dating somebody, let's say, for, I don't know, a fair amount of time. This like a month or so. Not very, yeah. Real hypothetical here. Okay. All right. Cool. Not very long, but you're going to bring that person flowers. Okay. You're going to bring them. I'm going to uh, use 1-800-Flowers. The... <laughs> are you going to get them a bouquet of roses or a mixed bouquet, as this one is over here? Oh. Are you going to get them a mixed bouquet of flowers or roses after about a month? It depends on the person. Okay.
1: People are different. Mm -hmm. Most people, it's probably going to end up being a mixed bouquet. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you know something about my personal life that I don't? Is that...
2: uh,
0: I just... Hypothetical question, man. (laughs) Because I bring home Is there somebody hanging out in one of these other rooms? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying if it happened, you know. Anyway, that's it for my questions. All right, Dan.
1: So we have seen a number of new vampers. Mm-hmm. We have seen the the war band. We have mm-hmm. seen Ogre Vampire Boy. We have seen Smash Bat. We have seen the single very potato camera picture mm-hmm. vampire. Mm-hmm. And we have seen uh, Sir Ratman. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your favorite vampire so far? Woof. Of those like eight I mentioned? This, that, the other, this guy, him, them,
0: and... That over there—that's
1: the new name for the segment.
0: I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, it's one of the four of those warband ones that we saw. Okay. It's the one. Gosh, I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It's the guy who kind of had his foot up on a rock, like bent knee, and he was like his top. He didn't have any no shirt on, just pants, and he had his big spear, like glaive. He had the thing. mace. Yeah, he had the big giant spear glaive thing. That the he was mace. Just, yeah, it was hitting the ground i like that guy best. Okay. So of all the ones I've seen, I like that model. You like the mace guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That
1: would be my choice. All right. Invaders, pretenders, or god seekers? Invaders. Okay.
0: I like the idea of having more than one general, first of all. I think that's really cool. I think it's cool that you have the potential to grab in so many command points, because I don't think I've ever played with a lot. (laughs) Usually I'm lucky if I have two, maybe three available at most. So having that kind of a pool that gives you that kind of flexibility, I think would be really great to play with an army like that. So it would be invaders for me. Okay.
1: You know, going chronologic in our show. Yeah. Would you much rather a book come out and be totally out of bounds, right? Just every War Scroll we look at in there, you're sitting there and you're thinking like, this is too good and not enough points. Mm -hmm. Or would you rather go through a battle tome kind of with the opposite feeling of this War Scroll just... You know, or the war scroll is fine, or the, the points are too much, or the war scroll just isn't there, and the points haven't lowered to meet that expectation would you would you rather read the book and go, yikes uh, I is- would rather have a book that was challenging, so you would rather have the book where you see issues as opposed yeah, to just I
0: really would because the thing that would be disappointing with the one that is just so out of the park mm-hmm. is that the next time we go to an event. You would see a bunch of that. And it'd be like, okay, fine. You know, like, uh, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of seeing all the same crap all the time. And you know there would be this one build that would just be super competitive. Super extra out of bounds. Yeah. It's like, okay, fine. If I play that person, I'll do like we did the other night. I'll play the first turn and then say, hey, let's go. I'll buy you a beer. (laughs) But I'll, I'll hang in there as long as I can, which in that kind of a list would be one or two turns. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to play hard. But no, I'm not excited when I see a book that's just crazed. You know, it just yeah, doesn't work for me.
1: OK. Next up, obviously, I'm listening to Barry Dagger.
0: Mm-hmm. And yes,
1: yes, I don't want to give it away, no. but it, I'm about halfway through roughly. And I would say you really see where it's all headed, right? Like you see where the transition is going to come from. Like
2: the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it becomes clear mm-hmm. relatively early on yes. how this is going to go. Yes. What is your favorite Primarch's fall story?
0: So we're talking about traitors. Yes. yes.
1: Or loyalists. Yeah. And the
0: lion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I can't stand. I mean, there's some that I can't stand the traitors, like Mortarion is such a hypocrite. You know, he was at the, Nicaea conference, whatever it was. And he was like the most hateful of psychers. You know, he couldn't stand it. Now, where is he? You know, it's just like, just shut up, Mortarian. I, I don't want to hear from you. I think the most, I think the tr- most tragic for me is Thousand Sons because Magnus was what he was. But in terms of the Legion, and I look at people like Aramon and other major characters, other major sorcerers of the different... Kind of, they had different. They uh, different cults, like, cults. Yeah, they were just this put together, intelligent bunch of space marines that just wanted to do the emperor's will. I mean, they went out there and they they did their job. People didn't like how they did their job, but they did their job. And because of because of Magnus, not because of what they did, that whole legion fell. The thousand sons as a group fell. Aramon did what he did. He made a choice. That doomed the Legion, you know, and he he was doing it in good faith. He really, wa- he didn't do it because he wanted power or anything else. Or he wasn't, you know, like Magnus where I need to know more stuff. I need to know more things. He wasn't arrogant like that. And so I think that Thousand Suns is the most tragic to me of all the Trader Legions. Okay.
1: Well, Dan, this weekend is NBA All-Star Weekend, Ooh-hoo. which means that it is the halfway point mm-hmm. of the NBA season.
0: Which I don't watch. So go ahead. Well,
1: that's why I'm asking, because I know you don't watch. (laughs) That is is specifically why I'm asking, is because I know you don't watch. Someone who doesn't know what's going on. No, not really. Who are going to be the two teams in the NBA Finals this oh, you're year? Oh, yeah, like I
0: know that. Okay.
1: Do you want me to read the standings
0: to yeah, you? Yeah, why don't you read me the top four team In each of the conferences? Read me the top two in each conference.
1: Okay, so the top two in the East right now yes. is the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers, okay. And the Brooklyn Nets Okay, are the two teams in the East. Uh, Milwaukee is a game and a half back of the two seed. Sure. In the West, in kind of a shocking turn of events, mm-hmm. you have the Utah Jazz as mm-hmm. the number one seed, sure. and the Phoenix Suns as the number two seed. The Lakers are a game back of the two seed. Great.
0: That's great. glad to see that.
1: That's, okay, so yeah. those are my four choices. Well, I'm, those are um, technically, like, I read you a total of six. Point. Yeah. Okay. But so
0: the top two in each, yes. I would like to see the Jazz. Okay. And I would like to see the Sixers. All right. Those are the two I would like to chalk. see. Go and chalk. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Of those two, who wins? Jazz. Okay. Okay, it's here. It's going to be on the internet.
1: (laughs) Yes. Dan's official pick of a sport that he doesn't watch. (laughs) Oh,
0: God. That's it. That's my five. Okay, buddy. (laughs) Let's close this sucker down. We'll be right back. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Show close time. Episode 70 coming up. We don't know. No, this is back another to- one of those, guys, because we haven't seen any. you know, we're always looking while we're recording. Brendan has his eyes on the- On the internets. Internets. And interwebs. definitely not the show sometimes. And and we haven't seen any pre-orders or anything for next week. So we will be back in two weeks, though. And so that's the 21st. We'll yeah. be back of With March. What? We don't I know. don't know. But whatever it is, it'll be awesome. And we hope that you come back and join us. Well wow, Dan, he got he got to Do sell. this for free. <laughs> you got to sell this stuff. <laughs> anyway, thanks as always, everybody, for being here with us. And another long show, but you know it's worthwhile to dig into these things and and see what we have. And hopefully, it's helpful and educational for you, so you can make your own choices. No matter what we say, sure. Uh, if you love something, then go for it. And thank you, Brendan, as always, for taking the time and lending your expertise no problem and i think that's it so we will be back in a couple weeks we will see you guys everybody take care stay healthy stay safe uh, we'll see you next time around
2: right, Bye. this is the end.